across the UK, online and on DAB. A radio star is born. You're going to love Talk Radio. Talk Radio. Hey, busy show this evening. Uh, Film ring. Did you watch Holy Hell over the weekend? If you did, good. If you didn't, don't worry. You can still take part. We're going to be speaking to Will Allen, who made Holy Hell. And if you've got a question for him, give us a call. This is Talk Radio. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. might have got the time difference in America wrong. <laughs> so we we thought Will was coming on at the top of the show, and we've just called him up. He's on a bus. And I think the re... So you can give us a call now if you want, because we have to, um, to fill room for a bit. Oh, wait, 4-4? Four, 4-9-9-1000. Four, four, um, boring, boring backstory, but uh, we were talking initially that we were going to speak to him when he was in California, and he's not in California, he's in the middle of America, where they have a different time zone, Central Standard Time, is that right? Someone know? And so, as we were calling him, I was thinking, no, hang on, would we be an hour early or an hour late? I can't, isn't it weird, right? I'm a 43-year-old dad of two, I can't work out time differences, I can't get my head 
around time differences. Either way, he's on the bus at the moment, Will Allen, um, the director of Holy Hell. Um, so we're going to call him in about 10 minutes' time, and we will have him then, OK? Um, which is good. So we're going to be doing film ring in a second. And, uh, now is an excellent time to um, in- inform you of some bits and pieces that are happening in the future. On a Monday, October the 31st, Catherine and I are going, is it Macclesfield? Is that where we're going? We're going to a haunted pub in Macclesfield. And um, I guess if you're in the region and you're over the age of 18, you're welcome to come and sit in a spooky boozer, a spoozer, if you will, and join us, the Bait Hall, um, on Monday, the 31st of October. Uh, show will start at 10. I guess they'll kick you out at 11. That's what happens in pubs. We'll, uh, we'll be sticking around and doing the rest of the show from there. Um, uh, and I guess we'll be there from about, like, half eight, nine. So if you want to come and join us, I'm not buying any drinks for you. He said, looking at Catherine, or you, dear listener, you'll have to buy your own drinks, OK? Um, but you're you're all welcome. The Bait Hall in Macclesfield on Monday, the 31st of October, uh, with lots of spooky goings on. Hopefully, fingers crossed, there's going to be a medium there as well to try and communicate with the dead. And I was thinking we can do that, e- e- um, what's it called, EVP, um, where you you set a recorder a tape recorder, I bring my digital recorder, and you can play it, and we'll do, um, not a seance on air, because I don't think you're allowed to do a seance on air, are you? We should check the Ofcom guidelines. I know you're not allowed to hypnotise somebody on air. I don't think you're allowed to do a seance on air, but we can do a little thing where we will um, uh, we will sit with the electronic recorder, and we'll be silent, and we'll just ask like a question every now and then, and then we'll go and put it in another room. And then we'll check that later in the week and see if we've recorded anything. <laughs> what if? Here's the thing, dear listener. What if we come away from the Bait Hall in Macclesfield with actual evidence that ghosts exist? It's a possibility. We might. Cap- it could be the show we do that from there could be one of those classic shows uh, where people say, "Well, of course, there was a, re- a radio team um, from uh, a radio team from London, England, went to uh, the north of England in 2016, and they recorded the following spooky phenomena." We could become um, an example. <laughs> an example. Um, so that's happening. Um, Friday the t- 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 28th, we've got a guy called Glenn. I can't remember his last name. He's written a brilliant book, which I'm halfway through. Glenn Berger. He's written a brilliant book called Never Say No to a Rockstar. Um, and it's weird because it's, it's about him working in um, the recording industry in the 70s. And like the first paragraph is him as a kid rocking up at this recording studio. A kid, like 17. And uh, James Brown is cutting a record. This is the first day on the job. James Brown is cutting a record. And everyone breaks out a load of cocaine. Uh, and he's now a very well-respected um, therapist. I think he might be a psychotherapist. I'm not totally sure. In in um, working in America. Um, and he's just fascinating. Absolutely fascinating book. I can't recommend it highly enough. What other guests have we got? This week we'll play out the John Lydon interview. We've still got Melanie. Um, have we got anyone else? Oh, we got we got the Quo. We got Francis Rossi from the Quo 
we're going to go and meet Francis Rossi from Status Quo. I know. It's nuts, isn't it? Very excited about that. If you have um, suggestions for guests, um, send me an email at Ian Lee. Uh, no, that's my Twitter name. Ian at Ian Lee.com. Um, with suggestions. And I, I, I don't always get to reply to all the emails because sometimes I get swamped down by life. And sometimes I just, I, I think, right, I'll, I'll, here's what I tend to do when I get emails. Ian at Ian Lee.com, right? Is I think, oh, I haven't got time to give that a detailed reply now. I'll do that later on when I've got a bit more time. And you know what? You know what, Alan? I'm doing a fundraising event, Ian. Okay. Um, I never then, I never then send those emails. I never then reply to those emails. I'll do those, I'll reply to those emails later when I've got enough time to send a fully detailed reply. And then I'll never do. So if you've sent me an email and I've not replied, oh well, sorry about that guys. Tell us about your fundraising event. I'm doing a 12 hour sponsored silence on November the 18th for children in need. jeez. Oh, a 12, yeah, make it, it's, it's boiling in here. Uh, you're doing f- how long? Twelve hours. So what? You, you're just going to go to sleep? No, I'm not going to. I'm going to be fully awake, but I'm not going to be talking. Is it a day that we're on the air? It's a Friday night. Oh, beautiful! I'll, I'll be calling after eleven in the evening. No, no. When does so? When? Hang on. When do you break your silence? Eleven p.m. Could you call before eleven? Say about ten. No, I'll, yep. I'll be a fail. Well, you don't have to say anything. We'll see your number come up. We'll recognise it's you and we'll call you back. It could be the best phone call you've ever made to a radio station, Alan. No, I said to myself, I wasn't going to use the phone until after 11pm, so that way I can do a karaoke tune live. Well, hang on a second, hang on a second. You won't be speaking on the phone. This will be your... This is for children in need, yeah? Yeah, for charity. Do you want those sick kids to um, benefit? I've got 90 quid in sponsors already. Wow. And I've got a donation page online, which has got £15 on there so far. Wowzers. That is brilliant. And that's only one day sponsored. Exactly. I was wondering if I can count on your support, Ian. You can certainly count on my support in a non-monetary fashion. I mean, if if, if I give Catherine website, we can probably post the link and get more donations. Uh, well, you can certainly go and do that, Alan. Thank you very much indeed. Yes. Uh, um, uh, I'm not going to sponsor him. <laughs> I'm not going to sponsor him. If I sponsored... Um, imagine if I sponsored everybody that phoned up this show and asked me to sponsor them. Well, I would literally just be sponsoring Alan Caddick because he's the only person that's phoned in and done that. But no, 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 is the um, the simple answer. Yes, Rashid. Ian, Ian, I know I've got a bad line. I just wanted to uh, put a question forth. Uh, you can ask if, if it's possible, you can make a note of it and ask yes. for me because yes. I know my line's bad. No, your um, line's, hang on, your line's brilliant now. All oh, right, I think it's because I'm in like a stationary. Let's, can, we, let's call, can, can we call you in ten minutes? Yeah, go on then. Yeah, yeah, you can. Flipping heck, mate! Don't sound too enthusiastic. Go on then. You can call me in ten Thank minutes. Thank you very much indeed, Rashid. We'll call him back in ten minutes. <laughs> um, John Lydon this week. Melanie probably this week. Um, Francis Rossi next week. A little update as well. Uh, lots of you have been using Matthew Stevenson's 
excellent site for downloading the full show podcast it has to be said the full show podcasts are um unofficial they are not sanctioned by talk radio they are hooky and um while i've been entirely backing matthew's uh, efforts in this area i've kind of had a little word with him just to ask and it's totally down to me so people sending him abuse don't send it to me or actually don't just get a live i've asked him if we can stop putting the full show podcast up for a little bit just because i um because i I'm in a business, guys, that's driven by figures, okay? And we got new bosses, and we got, and I want to look, you know, cool for the new bosses. So I'm aware that a lot of the people that were downloading the uh, unofficial podcasts weren't downloading the official podcasts. And so I've asked Matt to stop putting up the unofficial podcast. Boy, oh boy, the furore it created on Twitter over the weekend. It was nuts. He was getting abuse. Kath was getting abuse. I was getting abuse. Um, it's my call uh, on this one, guys. And uh, what a surprise. Within hours of that announcement being made online, the official show podcast that you can get from iTunes and all your podcast providers jumped up 35 places in the iTunes chart. You know what I'm saying, guys? You know what I mean, Jelly Bean? So um, for the foreseeable, I'd really appreciate it. And some people go, well, I'm never going to listen again. You've lost me as a listener. What? Well, I'm not going to listen to the best of podcast. What? The best of podcast that runs at, what, nearly an hour and a half? The bosses think it's only 25 minutes. So already we're getting one over those squares, huh? I'm not going to listen again. And then some woman's having a pop at Kath. And then she says, well, I was really looking forward to the John Lydon interview, but I won't be listening to it now. What? What what is going on with you guys? This is craziness. It's a fun radio show, man. Chill out, relax. Um, so that's what's happened. So I'd, I'd really appreciate it. And and also, if you 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 get the um, the podcast from iTunes, uh, you type in Ian Lee and talk on your usual podcast providers. And I tell you what, tomorrow. So I've seen a lot of crumbles. So I'm a bit windy. Tomorrow, I'll, I'll I'll find some other places where you can get it, because I know not all of you like um, iTunes. I'll find some other podcast places and name those, right? Um, but if you if you get it on iTunes, if you could unsubscribe and then resubscribe again, just gives us a little boost up the old Chartington, and it's all helpful shiz, guys. Um, Tony's on the line. Even, Tony. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Tony, what you got for us? Okay, well, I know I haven't got long, um, I was prompted to call in because you were talking about doing a spooky podcast, a spooky... Yeah. Um, spooky show from a boozer. Yes. Yeah. Um, which then made me think about something else. So it's twofold, my call, very quickly. Yeah, go on. You take your time. But, oh, okay. Well, first of all, I was going to ask, do you remember that show, Ghostwatch? Yes, I do. Did it scare you at the time? I don't think I watched it. Oh, I did. I don't think I watched it. Uh, it was um, Sarah Green and um, uh, 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 Mike Smith and uh, Parkinson, wasn't it? And it was supposed to be a live haunting. Yes. Yes. And it was, but oh well. If you didn't watch it, then don't worry. Sorry. No, that's all right. Um, but then I thought about asking you, which yes. may go into the film ring thing. Yes. Was. Films, spooky films, scary films that have had a long-lasting effect on 
on you on yeah. one. Yeah. So, for example, Salem's Lot. Yo, yeah, oh, Salem's Lot, when the vampires come up at the yeah. window. At the window. Yes. That had a long-lasting effect for me. So I wondered maybe if, if other people might want to... Oh, Talk about films that had a long-lasting effect on that's them. That's a good one. The one for me, right, and it's not even a very scary film, but it's Halloween 3, right, and it's the one... The, I read the book, The Mask. The Mask, yeah, and the, on the eyes, the snakes come out of the eyes. Yeah. And I was, tw- I was 12, 13 when I watched that, and I'd been to the dentist, and I had four teeth taken out, and I was bleed, there was so much blood, my, my teeth didn't clot. And I just remember watching this on, in the house, on my own, with a bucket filling up with blood in front of me. And I see our guest is on the line, he's going to wonder, what the heck has he got involved with coming on this show? Um, and for some reason, Halloween 3 is the horror film that has stuck with me forever. I still have nightmares about that film, and it's not even that scary. No, it isn't. Tony, listen, I've got to go. Thank you for that. 08444991000. We'll do film ring straight after this. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. Okay, it's time for film ring. Now, for those of you who are new to the show, film ring is where I'm sat at home and I'm watching a film, generally on Netflix or YouTube or the DVD that I've got, and something... Something happens. I get goosebumps. The the hairs on the back of my neck stand up and I'm sucked into this amazing film. And I feel like I've got to share this with everybody. And luckily, doing a radio show, I kind of can share this with everybody. We've done it with Kung Fu Elliot. We did it with um, Who Took Johnny. Um, We did it with The Imposter. And the film I saw last week... And it's funny, I watched the first, I watched the first couple of minutes of it and I thought, oh, I don't like this. And I went to watch something else, as you do on Netflix and these streaming services. And then I went back to this film and I'm so glad I did because it was, um, it was a roller coaster ride of emotions. You know, it really was an incredible journey. The film, of course, is holy hell. And, and we're, we're going to talk, guys. You've been set this as your homework to watch. So th- there will be spoilers. I know loads of you have seen it. I know loads of you on Twitter have seen it. And we're getting phone calls in as well about it. Um, but we're going to talk about it as though you've seen it. OK, so there will be spoilers, just so you know. Okay. Um, it's an incredible story about a group of young people that join uh, what from the outside would be described as a cult, the Buddha field. Um, and it's a film made by a gentleman called Will Allen. I'm thrilled to say that Will is on the line now. Uh, hello, Will. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you, Will. How are you doing? You're right. I'm okay. How does this sound? Good? It sounds great. Thank you. I'm, I'm sorry if we got the timings and stuff wrong, but I really appreciate you coming on this evening. Of course. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Um, Holy Hell is, um, it's an amazing film, man. First of all, you know, thank you for making it and sharing it with us. But I, I, I feel uncomfortable talking to you about it because it's an incredible story. It's your life. It's, it's actually your <laughs> well, life. Yes, I know. It's funny. When I went to a Sundance uh, before I got into Sundance. I heard someone saying, like, uh, a fellow filmmaker saying, well, there's one movie some guy made about himself. And I was like, well, that's me. <laughs> but I never thought about making it about my story about the subject matter. But mm. yeah, I happen to be in it. Yeah. <laughs> when did you, we'll, we'll talk about the content of the film in a bit, but when, when did you decide that the, the, the story, that, you know, 22 years of your life had to be told and it was going to be told in a film? What was the thought process? Well, I was actually at Sundance Film Festival in 2012 in Park City, Utah, and I saw some amazing movies that really moved me, like you were talking about, that I felt 
changed me because there was, and there was something I would never have experienced, but I learned I learned it from someone else who went through it, and so I didn't have to go through it. And I felt um, those are the kind of films that with me, those are the kind of movies I like to make. And I realized then that I needed to tell my story and what happened to me and my friends uh, and be as honest as possible. Well, listen, say that the line is a little bit bumpy. I think we're just going to call you back again and just get, see if we can get you on a slightly better line because it's, it sounds like it's the digital signal is breaking up ever so slightly. So let's just give Will another quick call because um, I, I want to hear what he's, he had to say. For those of you who haven't seen the film, the story basically is lots of beautiful young men and women in the 80s um, join, well, they kind of find this this spiritual guru, this guy who's who's known as Michelle, and um, they kind of end up all living together and um, building what looks like, from the outside, a very beautiful, loving community with you know kind of spirituality and all kinds of talk about God and all kinds of uh, uh, things like that. And obviously, you you know from the outset, this is going to turn into um, something slightly more uncomfortable um, and is is not going to be the uh, happy ever after that we expect it to be. Um, I think we're just getting Will back now. Are we going to be able to get Will back? I think he's on a... Yeah, we go. We've got Will back. We've got you back. Excellent stuff, Will. Thank you. Sorry for that. Out. Of course, I'm sorry. No, that's fine. That's much better. How, let's go. Let's go back to the start of the story. Uh, how old were you when you, now? How old were you when you first discovered Michelle? And, and is that the name he was going under to start with? Yes, that was the name I met him as, and I was 22, and um, I just got out of film school, and I was looking for a deeper meaning, you know, for, for the next phase of my life, uh, something I didn't learn in college. And my sister introduced me to these people who were meditating and enjoying life, and they had a teacher. And I thought, well, I need a teacher. I need someone to show me how to do this. Yeah. And that's what happened. And did you... uh, You didn't question it at any point in the early days. You didn't think, well, this is a bit bit strange. Well, I was looking for strange. I mean, I was looking for something alternative, something I hadn't seen before, because... You know, I was raised in California, and when I went to my first meeting, I felt like I walked into another culture, like India or something. And mm. I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm in Rome. I don't know the rules. I'm going to learn. Uh, yeah, it was different to me, but I was very open to learning something different. Was it? A, did you get it a? Didn't s- seem, it didn't seem off. It didn't seem no. strange. New, new. The yeah. thing that comes across from those early videos, um, and boy, oh boy, how fortunate that you were there to document all of this stuff, um, because it's incredible footage, is that there is a real sense of um, of family amongst everybody that was in the Buddha field. Oh, we've lost Will. Phones, huh? You see? <laughs> Somebody doesn't want this conversation to take place. That's what that is. Somebody doesn't want this conversation to take place. There are forces. And this ties in with some of the stuff that's been going on on Twitter. I've been talking with conspiracy theorists. Somebody doesn't want this to take place. There we go, Will. We've got you back. Yes. No. Sorry, it uh, might be the building, the building I'm in. Go ahead. No, I was just saying somebody doesn't want this conversation to take place, Will. Some, <laughs> there are I forces. I, uh, I was saying, it, look, it looked like, um, you know, it looked like a really lovely family atmosphere for, for lost souls. Does that sound about right? 
Well, you know, I don't think it was Lost Souls. I thought it was very adventurous souls. Mm. I mean, we all were very adventurous. We were all very, like, uh, we had seen parts of the world. We really weren't happy yet. Um, we really hadn't found anything that was satisfying um, in any culture, whether it's art or intelligence. Yeah, so I think that we were lost, but we weren't broken. Yeah. You know, we were looking. But some of us were broken. We were all kind of trouble from our childhood on some level so we're always growing what was it about michelle obviously he was he's a very beautiful man you know stunning to look at uh, 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 and he, he's obviously very charming and very funny what was it do you think that that he managed to get so many young people sort of under his his spell the the teachings he spoke from the books that he read were very um, and very revolutionary for us. They were very kind of outside the box, and mm. he was he was radical. He was funny, irreverent. He was political. He was irreverent to a lot of different things, and we thought he was smarter than we were. I mean, he seemed smarter than all of us, right? And that's kind of what you want in a in a teacher, someone who knows more than you. And he also spoke on the spiritual realm, like he had been to into the universe and back, and he can help help us to understand how to get there ourselves. Mm. And it was kind of uh, self-empowering at the beginning. Like, I can show you how to be free and to no longer have the downside of life, like the negative ego. You know, I can, I can show you how to stay in the higher parts of life and you won't experience the downside. And we were all like, okay, that sounds fantastic. You know, how to get out of the negative ego. Yeah, well, it, it does sound fantastic. And, um... He, he, he seems to, from the, the the videos that you shot, he seems to be, you know, emanate serenity and and a peace. You know, you, he looks like a very peaceful yeah. person on the outside. Well, I will, I will, I, I will tell you in his behalf. I've never met anyone more um, devoted to meditation or still. At that time, he was very still. He loved to be quiet. He he, he resonated uh, stillness. And you know, we were all in our twenties, very hyper and crazy, and we weren't learned, We didn't know how to be still. And so we learned how to cultivate that stillness uh, and quieting the mind, and then and then and then moving from that place of stillness and, and uh, abundance, ideally. Uh, I, I, well, I just realised, are you all right talking about Michelle as openly as this? Because of course he 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 abused you, and he abused you know a big number of the of, oh, of yeah. your friends and i'm just i'm just aware that we're actually we're talking quite quite casually about someone who who, who had a massive negative impact well, on your life i know i know but we have to talk about him positively too for anyone to understand why we stayed yeah. why we were there so we have to i have to bring up the positive things otherwise it's not balanced okay and those are the reasons that um you know it's like a marriage let's just say that you fell in love with someone at one, some point when you're in your 20s and you had a couple children, and it turned out really, really bad. And the person was a liar, <laughs> a narcissistic sociopath. Well, you still have the children. You still have some good experiences, and, and you can't... And, and those help you understand why you stayed. Mm. Um, you know? What the early days looked like a lot of fun, and you know, and it, it, lots of group massages and things like that. I, I, I studied performing <laughs> arts, Will, so I, we had group massages. We were doing, you know, we were all very touchy feely. Um, at what point for you? All right, I'm going to ask the question. At what point did the sexual abuse start? Well, see, I was around for three and a half years before anything 
like that before he before he threw himself kind of at me. Mm. Um, and I didn't see it coming, and it was all done behind closed doors after he brought you in closer, after you trusted him, after he had kind of cut you off from your normal support groups, uh, your family. And he also cut us off from our own sexuality. I mean, I, I know you say we're doing a bunch of massages and stuff, but mm. it was non-sexual for me, and I was told to be mm. non-sexual. And so you're in your 20s trying to transcend your sexual energy, so to speak. And then he comes along like a priest in a Catholic church and says, well, that's bad, but then you can do it with me. Mm. And then he has you, then he takes takes that over. So it's a very predator, predatory move that he did. It was very, I, to me, it, it was premeditated, and um, none of us saw it coming. You know, he never, we never spoke about it. It was never something that was part of our group discussion. Mm. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. I, I, and... <laughs> Again, if I ask anything, Will, that, that is inappropriate. I've, I've, dealt with all, I've dealt with all these questions already. Brilliant. All, all right. Thank you very much. Yeah. You're, you're very kind. Um, did you, when he, when he first made, made sexual advances towards you, did you, um, huh? were you repulsed? Were you, did you feel special that yes. he'd chosen you? Yes. Well, I had, felt, I had already felt special that he was choosing me to work closely with him and be his caretaker and be his masseur and be his chauffeur. I felt very, we all felt very special to do those kind of things because you got to spend more time with him and he was the teacher and he was taking care and helping you. When the sexual thing happened, we, he, it was in the middle of the night. Uh, he, 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 you know, more or less pounced on me. And yes, I was deeply repulsed. Um, I didn't understand it. I, I, he acted like I had, he said things like, you want this, you know it, you want this. And I was like, why is he saying that? Where did that come from? Why? I didn't ever ask for, you know, he was twice my age. And um, I was so afraid, you know, we had never said no. I'd already said yes to him about everything. Mm. And this was one of those things where it was just him and me. And I was overpowered by him, really. But at the time, I didn't know how to frame it. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't. I couldn't frame it. You understand? Yeah. Because he was asking us to do a lot of things that would take us beyond ourselves, and this felt like he was doing more of it to push our, to push us out of our comfort zone, and I couldn't understand it. A lot of people on Twitter who I I think don't um, understand sexual abuse and the the nature yeah. of the relationship between the the victim and the abuser. Right. A lot of people um, said, well, why did he stay? You know, why did the people stay? The first time it happened, why didn't they tell him to get lost? But it, 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 it's not as simple as that, is it? Of course. It's not as simple as that. First of all, I was dealing with this on my own. Mm. I didn't tell anyone about it. Like, happens with children. It happens with people. They, they never share about it. And they try to deal with it themselves. And they're dealing with someone who's overpowering you. You're in a relationship that's not, um, it's not equal, you know, one person has more power, and they can use that. And in this spiritual setting, we were actively relinquishing power mm. on, a, on, a, on a level. Not to him, but overall. We were, we were, under the, we were in, the, in a learning environment where we don't know we're here to learn. And so he used that and abused that. Um, and we stayed for a million reasons. I'll tell you something. This might help someone understand. Mm. The sexual, when the sexual abuse started happening with me on a weekly level, on a weekly basis, as soon as it was over, I would just bear through it, and I would say to myself, 
okay, it's over. You have a whole week before you have to worry about this. Mm. You have a whole week with your friends. Everything goes back to normal. Everything is beautiful. And then the next week would come around and Tuesday would approach and I'd get nervous and I'd be like, oh, two more days and I have to deal with that whole thing. And then the next day would happen. And then Thursday I'd be panicked all day. And then he would do his thing and then I would be like, okay, I have a whole week. And so this is how abuse happens. You mm. don't realize, a lot of people don't realize, I didn't know I had boundaries. I didn't know I had, I could say no. I didn't know I had um, physical boundaries that were being ruptured, Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, completely. You have to, yeah, yeah, you have to ask permission for all these things, and, mm. and, and this person didn't, you know. So psychologically, when I look back on it, I realized how much abuse and how much I was suffering. But at the time, because I was meditating, because I had my friends, because I had a very loving uh, community, I was able to compartmentalize it and ignore it and push it aside. Um, you've explained it brilliantly. You've explained it brilliantly because it, it, it is for those people who who uh, who haven't been abused or haven't had people around them that, that have it, it. It's a hard thing to explain why the victim keeps going back, keeps going back, and you've explained mm-hmm. it beautifully. Um, Will, when you came to make the film, I'm jumping ahead a bit. When you came to make the film, was was everybody willing to be part of it? Was there anybody you approached and said, <laughs> "No, I don't want. I don't want to be in this." Well, I approached people who were my friends, first of all, who knew me and trusted me. And all my friends knew me as a filmmaker, and they trusted me as a filmmaker. But many people, when this whole thing went down and broke up, everyone felt very shameful. Everyone felt very ashamed of what they had done, Mm -hmm. what he had done, how he had spoiled our experience, how he had ruined everything. And no one wanted to talk about it. People wanted to move on. And there was a lot of damage and a lot of scars, and a lot of people have to heal those things in their own way. Mm. Um, it took me five years before I really felt like I could even talk about it in a movie format. Uh, I couldn't have done it right away because I wasn't clear about what happened. You know, um, I had to work with psych- you know, psychotherapists. You, know, you have to do your work afterwards to untangle yourself from any kind of bad commitment that you're in, whether it's a relationship or a business or... You know, there's abusive relationships between men and women all the time, and women don't have, or men even, don't have the strength to get out of it. Um, so so a lot of my friends had to heal in their own way, and a lot of it included not talking about it or not being exposed. But a lot of my friends are very, very brave and very, like, we don't care. We want to talk about this. It's very important. Mm. And so those were the ones, those are the ones who I, who, um, I played with. They were the ones who helped me. They all, all of them seem like such lovely people. <laughs> you have such lovely friends, Will, uh, and they well, all. I did. Sorry, go on. Yeah, no, I was going to say multiply that by a hundred. You know, I have a hundred yeah. people like that who yeah. are very alive and loving and friendly, and that's kind of the thing you don't want to leave. You know, a lot of these religious type groups, environments, and cults and religions. When you leave, you leave everyone. Mm. You can't have both. You can't be in the world and in a secret community because. It's its own universe, and um, so no one wanted to leave each other is really what happened. I think over time we got attached to each other. When um, it it came up, when you were still part of the community, when that email was sent out by a disgruntled former member that basically said, I've been sleeping with Michelle, and he's been doing this, this, and this, and it's been against my... What was the... That must have been quite stunning for the community. Well, it was shocking, and that's what made the group fall apart. 
But what's even more shocking is that a lot of people refuse to, to read the email. A lot of people don't want to hear it because they don't want to hear negative things, because their faith and their you know that it's a very it's a it's a very delicate thing, and they don't want to hear negativity. So a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't listen to it, and a lot of people thought the guy who wrote it was was crazy, and mm. the teacher would tell him all those things are lies, and and you you tend to trust the teacher over over some layperson. You know, you'll, tr- yeah. you'll trust the teacher who you devoted yourself to over some guy who's angry, right? Well, he's angry. Why would I believe him? Yeah. So it, it created more confusion because half the people at that moment left. And half of them, me included, were like, well, we've devoted our whole life to this. It's like, we can't just quit. <laughs> you know, it's like our, it's our life. It's yeah. our religion. You know, it's like everything. Yeah. It's our belief system. You know, we've devoted ourselves to it. So it took a lot of us time, like months, to get out of it and to separate ourselves from his control, his mentality, his way of thinking. He had imposed his thoughts into all of our brains forever, and we had to divorce ourselves from that and come into our own critical thinking, our own intuitive understanding of ourselves. And it had nothing to do with him. We had, we had to get rid of him to do that. And that was the beginning of it. And I'm going to tell you, when I made this film, I never felt like the people who are with him now are going to see it, because... Mm. A lot of people didn't read the email. A lot of people won't watch the movie. But I will say that right away, about 50 people left, just left him. Right. Just because of the movie. And then there are those really diehard, devoted people who don't, who will, who will debate the movie, you know, it's not true or, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, we don't, we don't need to hear that. They've just twisted everything, you know. Oh, you're you're the equivalent of the angry guy sending out the email. You're just an angry guy that's made a film. Well, you know, I went out of my way. I'm not an angry guy. Well, no, this is this. I'm saying they might perceive you as being the. Why why would they believe you? you Oh, yeah, exactly. I am. But hold on a second. The thing that's great about a film like, I'm sorry, hold on. The good thing about making a film like this is I understood that one person really couldn't. Uh, go up against him. Yeah, you know, it's his word against someone else. But but for twenty people, the twenty people, that would work for me. If I had twenty of my friends tell me, like, if someone, if twenty of my friends had come to me, you know, ten years ago and said, "This is what's happening. We're leaving. This is bad. We're all coming to our senses. We're all quitting. We're all quitting together." I would have left. Yeah. But um, you know, going out alone is scary. And so I made a movie with with power in numbers, like many voices saying the same thing it's hard to debate that the end of the film when you travel back to the hawaiian island that he he, he, michelle is on with a different name and his new followers and you confront him on the beach yes what do you think about that ending well Well, I think I know what you're saying. It's like you're you're wondering why I didn't confront him more, well, no. or why I didn't hit him. I, well, no, 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 not not. Did, 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 <laughs> shall I tell you what I think about the ending first? Because initially, I had that that I did have a slight sense of disappointment. But then, uh, as I thought about yeah. it, this is one of those films that it, it kept coming back in my head over the following days. I realised, of course, that it's not a Hollywood movie. It's actually it's real, and the the, right. the 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 confrontation where very very little is said. I didn't expect you to smack him or anything, but very very little is said. Over the kind of uh, the, the sort of two or three days after I watched it, it actually was more powerful than you confronting him because I made up that it was it was demonstrating he still had power 
over people. That's how yeah. I interpreted it. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's lots of interpretations, and I, I appreciate that interpretation. I think that the truth of it is when I shot that, I was still in the very middle of making my film, and I was undercover, and I really wasn't there to create an enemy yet with him. Um, he could have done a lot of things to stop me, and I wasn't even finished making my film. I was trying just to go to capture him on camera and to see what he's doing and have a, and have a confrontation with him. Um, originally, you know, it was set up with a whole different set of cameras, but they were not working that day. Right. And so it was a very awkward day. Uh, I kind of got in and got out really quickly. And I said, I'll do this again. We'll do this again another time, and I'll get a better, I'll have a, a long conversation with them. Um, but when we got back to California, we started editing the film. <sighs> that scene really depicted the fear, uh, the mm. inability to talk to him. Uh, there is no closure in confronting someone like mm. this. Narcissists are, all narcissists do is blame the other person. And he's a master of dialogue. He's a master of, the, of, of languaging. And anything I would say to him, he would spin it. So we all knew, and I interviewed my friends as well, and I asked him that question. If you could say something to him, what would you say? And everyone said, well, I wouldn't say anything to him. There's nothing you can say to him. He mm. will not hear it. You understand? Mm. He's kind of crazy on that level. And so when I, I didn't go there to have that conversation with him because he would just, if I lost my temper, he would disqualify me. He would say, well, he's, you know, he's not centered or he's in his ego that he's not coming. He's not clear. Look at him, you know? So I really wasn't there to lose my, my uh, footing with him. I was just there to show what a, what a screwed up situation this is, how it's almost impossible to stop it. And, there's nothing you can say to this person that's yeah. going to make them see your point of view. I thought it was, I thought it was really powerful. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. every, everyone wants there to be a happy ending and stuff. And life doesn't always have happy endings. And it's, it's so uncomfortable because there are huge silences and you can hear the shortness in your breath. And, you can, you know, from that, that yeah. camera you're wearing, it's coming from your perspective. <laughs> no, I, it's, unco- it's horrible, man. It's really uncomfortable yeah, to watch. I know. It's not even my voice. Like My voice was like one octave higher. Yeah. I was just so nervous. I couldn't wait to get out of there and literally, you know, go have a drink. I mean, I got out of there. I think I traumatized myself again. Yeah. Being so close to someone. Now, what's beautiful about, about, about well, about that situation is most people who, who have been abused and exploited never have the opportunity to face that person. Mm. Never. Sometimes they have it in court, and it might be across the room, and they see that person, and it's so scary for them. But never do they really have the chance to go right up to that person and say, hey, are you being good? What's going on? Mm. You know, um, and so I do think that it was natural for me to be scared, even though he doesn't have power over me anymore. I walk into a situation, it's like Pavlov's dog, you know. Mm. I've known his voice for 20 years. He was my teacher. He was my hypnotherapist. He was everything. And so that relationship is there and his voice can trigger it. But that, we've got that, um, yeah, we got yeah. that covered. Don't you worry. But I know, I know exactly what you mean. And I think that scene is, is, is I'm glad it was in the film because it, I think it, it, it conveys a, well, listen, I'm going to let you go in a second. I've got, I've got loads of callers. Can I just put two callers through to you and get them to ask a question? Would that please, be okay? Please, please, please. Uh, let's go to Let's go to Tris first. Tris, you're through to Will. What do you want to ask? Hi there, Will. Um, yeah, first off, r- really, really good film. R- really enjoyed that a lot. Um, me, me and my wife watched it, right? And at, at, at the start, 
I can see completely why you joined up. I was thinking, like, my 16, 17, 18-year-old self, I would have absolutely joined that group in a heartbeat. It looks amazing. Mm-hmm. But we watched it together, and we've both come away with very sort of polar opposite um, opinions about the ending yeah. and about about how you treat it. Now, I've, I, I come from a place of sort of love and sympathy, and I feel nothing but sort of compassion and sorrow for for, 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 for for you and your friends. But but my wife's come away with a lot of anger, feeling that how you almost protected him and hid him and mo- mo- moved him across the country so that he could oh, keep abusing him. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's true. Uh, we did, and we didn't realize. I mean, it took, me, it took us all a long time to understand that we people were getting hurt. Mm. See, what happens in the film is the film gives you guys all the information in 90 minutes, but it was 20 years of story, and it was all under underground. And so it took five years after it all happened for us to even hear the stories. Mm. Like the thing that happened to Chris, the guy with the beard, mm. the straight boy, I didn't, I didn't know that until I finished, until I made the movie. So back in the day when we're still protecting him, it's like people protect a religion, like like people protect Trump, you know, well, and there you no go. matter yes. what, yeah. still, because they're protecting their Republican stance, they're protecting their what they already think is right, and so they're really defending a, a multitude of things. Uh, their their commitment, they're defending their commitment. They don't want to say they were wrong. They don't want to give up. They don't want to quit. You know, mm. um, they hold on. Even a good job, people hold on to bad relationships way after their they're no longer good. Yeah. Um, but yes, it's sad. And I, I feel very bad that I spent so many years protecting him. Mm. Um, I felt like it was my job. I felt like I was protecting other people from him. And I also felt like I was protecting other people's innocence because I didn't want him to spo- spoil the beauty of meditation because everyone has the right to experience beauty on their own. And, and he just ruined it for everybody mm. and, and spoiled it. And so, yeah, we, we weren't really defending him. We were trying to kind of protect the group, I think, and keep people together so we could live harmoniously. And, and it was wrong. And uh, we feel bad about it. And that's why I made the movie to make, to make peace with that yeah. and to make it right, to make it right. Well, let me, let me take one more call then. We'll, we'll, we'll find out what you're up to next and then we'll let you go. Rashid, Thank you for that. Oh, it's a pleasure. Rashid, you're through to, to Will. What do you want to ask? Ian, uh, I've got two quick questions. Go on. Okay. Um, first one is, thanks, Will. Thanks for sharing your stories. Um, first one is, uh, you know, when he was taking you guys into the, the forest and choosing people to make them connect with the higher force and let the secret yes. out. And oh, the knowledge. Oh, the no- the, yeah, the, the knowledge. knowledge. Those feelings of electricity and shaking and all that phenomena that when he touched you, how do, how do people explain that? Is it, that's the first question. And the second question is, faith is a very... A, uh, a very precious thing to people when they find something that they believe in very strongly, and when it's shaken like that, or when it's interrupted, how do you feel? How do you feel now? And how, do you still believe in God? And have you found center? Have you found peace? Thank you, Rashid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are great questions for a nice five-minute answer. But I'll try to do it now. <laughs> no, get sum it all um, up in two minutes. Yeah. Go on. I love it. I love it. Well, the, the Shakti stuff, I mean, not everyone shook, not everyone feel, felt that. And think about it. I mean, we got Shakti for 15, 20 years, and, and I, include, I included the moments in the film that were visible when yeah. you could see something happening. And a lot of it, times it had to do with the person who was receiving something. They might be really open or susceptible or sensitive. 
um, many times no one experienced anything, nothing. And they thought something was wrong with them. So usually if you don't experience something, you think, well, what's wrong with me? Because that person next to me is, is crying and I'm not, you know. So it was a big social situation. Um, not everyone experienced something. Sometimes you'd experience something a week later. So I, would, I, I credited him for that because I believed what he told me at the time. Yeah. But now I understand that we create that ourselves. You know, it's all inside of us, and he's not really doing anything extra. Mm. Um, but the spiritual abuse, I think, is worse than anything. I mean, people talk to me about the physical abuse and the emotional, and I'm like, you know, the spiritual abuse is the worst. Because you're bringing this very delicate yourself. You're bringing your, your, your higher self, supposedly. And when that gets abused and lied and trampled on, you can't return to that place anymore for your own personal healing because it's been jaded. It's been kind of screwed up. Yeah. And even though ultimately none of us can be screwed up, we all are perfectly whole where we are, but our interpretation, our, our reaction, our response, like I couldn't meditate for, for years. And meditation is very healing, you know, mm. for some people. And it's a very holistic place. And I couldn't go there because it was so contaminated by him. His voice, his memory, everything I thought was mine, it had him attached to it. Mm. So I had to divorce myself deeper and deeper and had to create my own healing, my own centeredness, my own spiritual core. I had to ask myself, how do I feel about everything, everything? When someone's like a narcissist in your life and they've lied to you so much, you have to go back over every conversation almost and question it because all of it could be lies. And so, like, let's say you have a, a spouse and they were cheating on you. Well, then you look back like, oh, my God, they've been cheating for 20 years. Mm. Well, which part was real? Mm. You know, did you really, you know, was any of it real? So that happens for all of us, and the spiritual damage, I believe, is the worst. Well, well, listen, I, I have to interrupt because we are coming to the end, and I'm keen to know what 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 are you are you working on any other films at the moment? What have you got in the pipeline? Yes, I am looking into working on dramatic features and also turning this into a television series. Wow, fantastic! Uh, the early years, which would be really fantastic. More and um, and also, I'm looking to continue writing a little bit more about what happened in a fuller format. Yeah, ninety minutes is hard to get it all out, which yeah. is why there's so many questions. You oh, know? So, are you looking at making? Are you looking at writing a book about it? Yeah, I'm going to write a book, which I've already started. I would love to get a television show started, but that's not hard. That's not easy. But this serves like a beginning pilot to people help people understand what it could be about. Well, listen, when the book comes and, out, okay, go on, go on very quickly. What were you saying? Sorry. No, I've said it already. I'm done. Okay, I'm just saying, when the book comes out, give us a call and come on and have a chat about that. Um, The film is Holy Hell. You can watch it in this country on Netflix. Um, Is it going to get a DVD released, you know? Yes, we are working on a DVD. We're almost almost done. It's going to come out by Christmas, and it's going to have over an hour of extras, which aren't in the film. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and Thank you. Um, uh, you know it's 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 been the I would say it's, it's been a pleasure watching the film it wasn't a pleasure at all but um it, it's, it's really well, opened my eyes so thank you very much thank you for caring and thank you and empathy is the word we're looking for empathy empathy not sympathy right empathy is feeling what other people feel yeah not not feeling sorry for them like they're victims yeah. but understanding it and applying it to yourself okay bye everyone thank <laughs> you well it's been lovely talking to you mate take care thank you very much indeed that's will allen director of um holy hell which you can watch on netflix and it really is uh wow what a man what a lovely man 
across the UK, online and on DAB. We are Talk. Talk Radio. Give it some lip. Talk Radio. Um, Will Allen, nicest bloke in the world, do we think? Do we think, yeah, nicest bloke in the world? Wasn't that great? We'll put that as a podcast. Uh, the film was Holy Hell. It's on Netflix. Not for the faint-hearted. All right, normal service resumes. 0844 499 I'm Ian Lee. This is Talk Radio. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. I'm all thumbs, no action, attention, deficit, distraction. My brain operates on a fraction. All thumbs, no human interaction. I speak in typos, predictive text it. I spell checked it. November the 30th, a magical thing is happening. We are doing the first of what may become a semi-regular. We may have a semi. Um, we are hosting Performance Ring. Catherine and I are hosting Performance Ring in the Mucky Pop, which is an appropriately named pub in um, Northish London. Um, it's sold out. 
So what are you going to do about it? We might release a few more tickets. You might have a few more tickets. I have to see. Um, and it's a, a, a variety evening made up entirely um, by you, dear listener, doing the act and the turns. And that reminds me, I must email everybody tomorrow. Otherwise, Dana's going to send me a stroppy email saying you've not emailed everybody like you said you would. And I'll be in trouble. So I'll do that tomorrow. It's tomorrow afternoon's project. Um, and we've got a magician. Oh, did you see the tweets from the magician, Kath? He tried it the other day and it failed miserably. Don't matter. Don't matter. It don't matter. Don't matter. This is. I was talking to Scroobius Pip today. I was recording an episode of his podcast, and um, we both said that we both agreed that you learn your most when you fail. You learn when you fail. If you don't fail, you don't learn anything. You just you just stay in that kind of safe bubble. The best shows for me are the ones where it goes hideously wrong. You know, and whether that be a live show or a radio show, um, TV, it's kind of hard for it to go wrong on TV because everything is so well rehearsed and practiced, it's hard. But um, I've had, you know, I've been in front of audiences and died on my ass. Um, and at the time, you want to jump off a bridge. Of course, looking back, those are the shows where I learned the most stuff. And the same with the radio show. So if you come along and you do an act, whether it be magic or singing or you've made a film or you're pushing a wheelbarrow across the stage, um, and it doesn't work, well, I can't think of a better place for it to not work than a performance ring, where the audience of 80 or 90 people will all be willing you on, you know. And no one's going to go, oh, yeah, brilliant, he fell on his ass." There'll be none of that. It's going to be a very supportive um, environment. And we're doing another one at Christmas. That sold out. And then we'll probably take January off. And then from February onwards, we might make it a monthly thing. We'll see. We'll see. If there's enough people that want to come, and if there's enough acts that want to perform, then, then we'll make it a monthly, maybe every other month. I'm not quite sure. Anyway, oh, wait, four, 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 nine, nine, one thousand. Um, the inspiration for this evening, the, the, this performance ring evening, and he will be performing a performance ring, um, is a gentleman called Jim the Dancer. Jim the Dancer's on the line now. Evening, Jim. Hello, Ian. How are you doing? What? I'm very, very well, Jim. How are you doing, fella? Yeah, uh, not too bad. Uh, I've been missing my friend, but I'm I'm bearing up to it. I see you've been busy. Yeah, I have. Yeah, <laughs> you've been making some some videos. Uh, yeah, I've been making uh, uh, open mic videos and things. Yeah. Did you? Was it you that posted a video online of um, a cat a cat doing Saturday Night Fever? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. It's nuts and it's brilliant. I was watching that and chucked in away to that. Oh, thanks very much. I, did, I that took. I, I filmed it last year before you know everything went wrong. Yeah, and then the bloke edited it to, for me this year. Oh, br- well, it, it, do you know what? It was worth the wait. It, it was a cracking. Um, is it on YouTube? Uh, yeah, it's it's under Catterday Night Fever. There we go. I'm gonna uh, while I'm while I'm talking to you, Jim. I'm just going off microphone because I'm gonna find it and I'm gonna tweet it so everyone can have a look at it. Catterday Night Fever. Here we go with Sheba, the disco dancing cat. Yeah, that's the one. That's yeah, the one. Yeah. There we go. I'm gonna if you follow me on Twitter, you're gonna get a slice of this now. It really is the most bonkers thing you are ever gonna see online. There we go, uh, Jim. What can we do? <laughs> what can we do for you this evening? Uh, I'll just, uh, ring it in about the Halloween sort of, uh, oh. carry on, you know. Oh, yeah, go on. Uh, yeah, uh, as I'm invited to the show, yeah. uh, I don't know whether I should be doing, uh, what to do, you know, what costume to bring, you Ooh. know. So, uh, 
You Probably read... be Halloween, wouldn't it? Well, oh, it's, it's 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 the thirtieth uh, of October. It's um, it's going to be a very very spooky night. What what um, what yeah. spooky costumes have you got, Jim? Uh, I've got well quite a few uh, Halloween ones. I've got uh, you have. <laughs> all sorts. Uh, be be better to surprise everybody <laughs> on that night. <laughs> this is what I like about Jim. He's a proper he's a proper entertainer, old school. Uh, yeah, bring something spooky yeah. along, and we'll have. Um, don't come as a killer clown, though, will you? Because you'll get arrested. Oh, yeah. No, I won't, I won't be like that. No, can't no. do a killer clown anymore. They're, they're, they've, they've ruined that by um, killing people. Um, and yeah. I'll have... Um, well, how, how will you have your music? Because I... I don't know if there's a C... There, I'm sure there's a CD player there. Let me check. I think there's a CD player. Otherwise, I can have the song on my computer. OK, yeah. That'd be all right. Yeah, uh, yeah maybe I'll, I might do a backing track where I sing it myself, or... Uh, oh, mate. I could do the actual record itself and mime it or something. Whatever, well, if you want to sing it, mate... Listen, whatever you want to do, Jim... We yes. will make it work for you that evening. I'll check. I'm sure there's a CD player there. I will check. Um, and if not, well, no, if not, we'll make it work. I promise. Yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 All right. That's nice good. Yeah. All yeah. right. All That's right, mate. what it's all about. <laughs> exactly. It's all about, we've got some really good acts coming and we've got some really yeah. unusual acts coming and we've got some people who, who, who don't actually know what they're going to do coming. Um, yeah. and it's going to be, it's going to be a right old laugh, Jim. Yeah, one, one more thing just before I go there. Yeah, go on. The, uh, you know, he's talking about things going wrong on the stage and all that. Yep. I was in Fulham in a, a place with 200 people, yeah. and I took my spaceship in there. Of course you did. And it all fell to pieces. Well, you know, <laughs> how big's your spaceship? Uh, it goes on my back. It's a, it's a big, huge thing, you know. it's a, You need, a, like, a trailer to carry it along, but I got it on my back, and everything just fell to bits on the day. And what song... Were you dancing to? Calling occupants uh, of interplanetary five, four, craft. Three, two, one, Manfred Men. What the hell has that got to do with spaceships, you lunatic? Uh, I'm, I don't know. I just pulled the levers and all the smoke come out. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, uh, the, the world... Uh, I'm just trying to set up Periscope while I'm talking to you. The world is a much better place because of people like you in it, Jim. So thank you, mate. Yeah, OK. Looking yeah, forward yeah. to seeing you again soon. Yeah, good to see you. Yeah, good, good to hear from you. Cheers, yeah. Jim. Take care, mate. There we go. You see, he's the reason we're doing Performance Ring because he called up... And um, he didn't have an outlet for his performance. Let me just put these uh, headphones on Periscope. It's a new Periscope angle, guys. Hi there. Um, so we thought we'd um, we'd create a night for um, performance. We'd create a night for Jim the Dancer to come and perform. And that is a performance ring. All right. Well, the radio show is up and running. It's 12 minutes past 11 on a Monday night and a cup of tea has just arrived. And we've just set up the Periscope for anybody that wants to come and watch us. And I'm going to invite Catherine to come in and sit with me in, in the studio. If she wants, she's shaking her head violently. Gosh, that's good. And then we'll have a little look through the papers, shall we? You can call up. You know the rules. Anything goes. 0844 499 1000. 0844 499 1000. We call you back. I'm Ian Lee. This is Talk Radio. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Um, wasn't Will Allen, the director of uh, Holy Hell, the nicest man in the world and the phone line dropping out is was really frustrating but he was really cool about it and he was just every time i phoned him back i was like yeah i'm good to go <laughs> <laughs> i think he actually really enjoyed talking about his film of course he did of course he did but he got a kick out of the fact that we had listeners calling up and who yeah, were interested it is a nice it is a nice it must be a nice little thing for for directors because we we, we we we're choosing you know quite the imposter was perhaps a bit of a bigger film but the other films we've chosen have been small releases or difficult to get an audience for him who took johnny 
um, they struggle to get it out, let alone, you know, get anyone to see it. They struggle for long to my chair's gone funny. Um, so it must be flattering. They've all been American, haven't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It must be flattering to get an email from, you know, an English presenter or English producer saying, um, we've been talking about your film on, on the show and we've encouraged our listeners to watch it. Would you come on and, t- and discuss it with us? It must be um, quite a nice feeling. I mean, well, for all of them, because they've all been obscure, slightly obscure, way off the mainstream. I yeah. mean, there's been, there's been a, a theme of, of sexual abuse <laughs> or, or, you know, abuse of one kind or another running throughout some of them. But, um, yeah. Um, I was t- talking to him off air. He was saying uh, that he got he enjoyed the questions. He particularly enjoyed the second one, Rashid's se- uh, second question, yeah. which is about you know that void left behind when yeah. you've devoted so much of your life. I mean, some of those people were in that that commune for. Well, he was there for twenty two years. Yeah, so you know that huge part of his life that he'd found he'd found it a sanctuary from the rest of the world. It yeah. was all his friends were all part of it, you know, and suddenly to not have that at all. He, he said he really enjoys that. He really enjoys the, the spiritual question of it, he said, yeah. because that's the thing I struggled with most. Nice guy. Really nice guy. I look forward to that coming out on DVD. And if he writes a book about it, blimey, oh my we're, we're in there. Um, 0844 1000 Periscope is on. I've, I've put Periscope on at an unusual angle where I look fatter than normal. Derek's on the line. Good evening, Derek. Hey, good evening, Ian. Good evening, Derek. Hey, good evening. Hey, um... Probably a few things, but uh, I suppose uh, one of the things that was on my mind, because I do regularly listen, but it's been a bit on and off, and I'm wondering, have you done the Samaritans thing yet? Oh, no, we haven't. Do you know what? That's an excellent reminder. I need to, I'm, I'm just going to email them today. No, we, um, I'm going to email the Samaritans tomorrow. We were t- I was talking last week and then I didn't follow it up, but they are very keen. They've got a couple of people um, who, might, who, who would like to come on the show and talk about either having worked for the Samaritans or using the Samaritans. Mm-hmm. Uh, the latter's a little bit harder to find. But, um, yeah, no, we, we, uh, thank you, uh, Derek. I, you reminded me that I forgot to do that today, so I'll chase that up No, tomorrow. no, I was slightly worried I'd missed it. No, no. No, 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 no. And that, we'll put that out as a podcast as well. But, um, yeah, thank you. I'll do that tomorrow. OK. And uh, Country Slice? What? Country Slice. Is that your cake of choice? Yeah, because Ian asked me before and I didn't quite... Oh, it's taking you a week? Well, you've got to consider these things. A week. Uh, um... <laughs> I've, got, I've got to cut down on the cakes. I mean, this, if, this... if I'd said it really slowly, you'd have edited it. Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> well, we had to d- d- dump our guests for being a potty mouth. Hey, here's the thing, Derek. We've pre-recorded... The interview with John Lydon, right? Johnny Rotten. Mm-hmm. And we're going to play it one night this week, maybe. Um, guess who swore first in the in the interview, me or him? You. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. I dropped the C-bomb. He was me- shocked. <laughs> he was. He shocked Johnny Rotten. He was you, shocked. You shocked Johnny Rotten. And I said, don't worry, John, it's, we're, it's a pre-record. We can, we can edit this, we can bleep these out. And, and he- yet he didn't. Uh, uh, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I shocked him! You could hear him gasp as I said it! <laughs> uh, considering one of his... Well, apart from his music, considering one of the things he's most famous for is for, you know, swearing on TV. Well, yeah, exactly. You, sh- you shocked him. I shocked him, exactly, you see. I... Well, apparently he wasn't swearing just at Anton Deck, but at oh, the great British well, public in hang general. On a Derek is referring, of course, to the great Bill Grundy television ah, programme. I thought you Go on, the other then, one. say something outrageous. You dirty effing W. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Tea Time TV and it, Bill Gr- I think it was, was it Bill Grundy? Was that I his think name? It was. I think it was. It's like it was like six o'clock and, and Tea Time uh, 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 on ITV, and they had the Sex Pistols on, and, and he's really egging them on. It's like they're oh, all just sat there bored, yeah. right? And he, they go, he's going, go on then, say something outrageous. Go on. Do you want us to? Yeah, go on, say something outrageous. You dirty effing W. <laughs> wow. And, and of course, Bill, the, the pest pistols look like heroes to the, the, the kids. And mm. Bill Grundy never worked ever again because he'd encouraged them to go on. Them. Yeah, exactly. It's a brilliant bit of footage. Well, I shall look forward to hearing then. Derek, it's going to come soon. Thank you, mate. We'll, we'll play it out, um, probably later this week. It was it's... a good interview. Pity about the swearing. Uh, <laughs> Very disappointing. He did sound old, didn't he, John Lydon? Well, yeah. Well, he's not that old. He's only 60. He's older than he was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, Tony uh, is talking about um, the magic shop in Slough. Yes, I do remember that. And she asked... Oh, it's Tony who's been talking to, on, on the... Mm-hmm. Did you ask John if he quit the jungle due to fear of winning? No, uh, uh, I think he, he did say the thing in another interview about the reason he quit the jungle is because it was obviously he was going to win and he didn't want everyone else to win. But That's he, not the reason he gave no, us. No, that's not the reason. The reason was because... Um, him and his wife had been booked to go on Lockerbie. I think they were nervous flyers anyway. But before, because they were booked to go on the flight that we now call Lockerbie, the one that blew up over, over Lockerbie, um, and they didn't make that plane, uh, I think they both became extra anxious flyers. Um, and while he was in the jungle, the producers refused to tell him whether his wife had landed in Australia safely or not yeah. and they and and um he considered that to be particularly cruel considering their history with aeroplanes he said he didn't want them making entertainment out of his anxiety yeah. so uh, so he walked um was the thing he was very interested he's fascinating absolutely honest I shall lend you his book because it's a real uh it's a, and we didn't mention punk once I didn't mention the sex pistols he brought up the character of Johnny Rotten himself yeah. you know He's talking about a film they were going to make, and he said, "Well, I'm Johnny, I'm Johnny Rotten," and they were going to make it into the David Cassidy story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was good. I I do like him. He's, he's, he's just—he's a big—he's just a big camp old queen, you know. He's big, very theatrical, and all—you know, darling, and all that kind of. He was rolling his eyes in a Russell Brand fashion. I did think there's quite a lot of the Russell Brand act yeah. has been taken from him, isn't there? Yeah, and at the end I said, oh, John, thank you, mate. I love you so much. He goes, I love me too! <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. 0844-499-1000, by the way, is the telephone number. If you want to give us a call, the phone, the phone call's always going to die off a little bit here, and that's absolutely fine, because we've got plenty to talk about. Um, oh, including... So, I, um, uh, Scroobius Pip, yeah. who's been on this show, I went and recorded um, his podcast today, The Good People at Acast. And um, uh, I kind of put it off for a bit. He got in touch with me ages ago, saying, should we sort this out then? And I... Didn't I, I? Kind of didn't reply to him because um, I didn't. F- this is going to sound really winky. I didn't feel worthy. I oh, didn't feel yeah. worthy. So I kind of ignored his email. Then I thought, oh, actually, do you know what? I, I'm trying to keep busy at the moment. This this will fill a Monday. This will fill a Monday. Going into London, doing it, coming back out of London. That's a day. Also, he's the sweetest soul. Oh, yeah. Oh, exactly, exactly. And he, he, he's such a nice man. I mean, just delightful. <coughs> but I didn't feel kind of well enough to, to yeah. kind of to kind of go and, and, and sit and talk about myself for a bit. Uh, so we arranged to do it today and I went to this we went to this studio in Old Street and a uh, really nice little setup there. They've got A cast and this is a service that do lots of different podcasts and things. And um Pip and I were having a what were we talking about before? 
Oh, I can't remember. We were having a very geeky chat. And he went, oh, look, I, I'm just going to press record now. Do you mind? I said, no, no, crack on. And um, it's going to go up in a couple of weeks. I think, I think I'm going up in three weeks. Jeff Lloyd is before me. I've often thought about getting Jeff Lloyd on this show, but it's a bit weird because he works for a rival radio station. Would he come on? I don't know if he'd be allowed to. Well, if he's allowed to, get him on. He's brilliant. He is brilliant. Ask him. Let me spend a few more months thinking about it because <laughs> I like Jeff a lot. We've twice in our lives we've become we've become very close to becoming friends, yeah. and then we backed away from it. This could be the third time lucky. Third time lucky, guys. Um, uh, and we spoke for about an hour and a quarter. Most of it, not most of it, a significant portion of it was us um, fanboying about Limmy because he'd had Limmy on the show. And um, so I got a tickle in my throat. And so we talked about Limmy quite a lot. And we were quoting Limmy sketches at each other. as uh, Sweary the- podcast then, is it? Yeah, I'm very sorry. It's not that sweary, actually. Um, it's not that sweary. We talked about... Mm. And about what happened there. Mm. As much as I could say. Probably a little bit more than I was meant to say legally. Should have got me in. I would have told him. Um, we talked about the BBC and um, what happened there. Um, well, we talked about the 11 o'clock show a little bit, but not a lot. Uh, we talked about this show. Oh, yeah. He bigged you up. What? I said, whoa, Pip, let's... I don't know where you're going with that, mate. What did he say? He said he thought you. He said he thought that the, the working relationship we had was brilliant. He said it was really inspiring to see the whole team and and Ed as well. But the the, the relationship between us as producer and presenter, and kind of the fact that fact, all three of us that we developed kind of a, almost a psychic connection where Ed knows exactly when to throw to the you know when I'm, I'm building up to break and throws to the break. You know how to kind of play stuff and you know and I'm I'm obviously the best out of the three of us. Um, so we were talking about that. Mm. Um, we talked about um, being depressed and all that kind of rubbish. Talked about that rubbish. Um, and um, was it? What was it? Well, I'm looking forward to hearing that. I'm never going to listen My to bit, it. My bit, I mean. Well. The rest of it, I'll fast forward. I'm never going to listen to it. Well, I'll listen to it and I'll tell you. I can't good. listen to those things. I, 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 I just, uh, I've never listened to the Adam Buxton one. I have. It's good. Oh, Not I'm, enough me in it. I'm but... a brilliant interview. That's why. But I won't. I won't be listening. And at the end, and I, and I just because he because I mean, Pippa's had like you know he's had proper big names on there, and I always get the feeling that I'm filler. Oh, stop it! Someone's dropped out, so we'll get Ian Lee to do it because I know I've got my I've got my place sussed. This isn't me being modest. I've got my place sussed in the show business, lad. I'm I'm you know I'm like not not even D list. I'm like lower than that, and that's fine. I'm fine with that, um, but it's weird just sitting there and talking for an hour and a half about yourself. Really, what else did we talk about? Something else as well. Um, but he's such a nice bloke, and you do feel that you can kind of chat anything. Yeah, you feel like you've known him for ages. With him, when he came in here, he just went straight in, didn't he? Yeah, we just, and within five minutes, it was like he'd been working here or something. Yeah. And what was interesting was he's, he's getting into acting, right? Yeah. He's done three acting jobs so far. His first three auditions, he got the acting jobs. One was in a Guy Ritchie film. One was... I mean, small parts. One was in something written by the guy that no, wrote so the No, it's a small part, darling. Small actors. And one was something else. Do you know how we got the jobs? This is brilliant advice for Casting anyone... Couch? Who wants to... Well, <laughs> anyone who wants to get into the industry. Oh, look. 
Ed, who's a devout Christian, just made a very rude sexual gesture to me. What would Jesus do? He wouldn't be doing that, mate. You go, go and have a wash. Do you know what he did? I can imagine. Yeah. Ed! <laughs> at least I did just, that! At least I just said casting couch. She's tantamount to the same thing. Anyway, how did he get the part? He um, takes note of films and TV programmes that he likes. Mm. Practices them. He looks to see who the casting director is. Oh. And then he finds them on Twitter oh. or finds their email or guesses what their email might be and sends them a message. And he gets jobs off the back of that. And I'm sat there thinking, that is brilliant. That's genius. I think that was like one of the overriding things. And, and I've not read his book yet, and I will. Yeah, um, it's very inspiring. He just gets on with it. He has yeah. a go. Yeah. He has a go. He doesn't do that thing that I, I do, or certainly did until recently, which is think, I'd really like to do that, but... But I don't think I could probably... I probably couldn't get there on time and I probably couldn't put in the hours and they probably wouldn't want me... You know, so I see yeah. all the hurdles and then think, ah, oh, forget it, rather than just having a run. Oh, well, I keep forcing you to do stuff. I know. That's the it, reason you're here. I know, and so far, so good, actually. I should... Yeah. I, I'm starting to think I should have just had a go at more things when I was younger. <laughs> no, not that. <laughs> God, oh, you really do make me sick. Oh, wait, four, 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 nine, nine, one thousand. Talk radio. <laughs> Uncut after hours conversation for the up all night generation. Late night Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Um, I tell you, here's um, I like a good rock biography, stroke autobiography. Mm. And I tell you whose book I'd like, and I'm going to try and get him on the show. We don't stand a chance to get him on the show, but you never know. Go on. Su-su-studio. Phil Collins. Yeah, he's got a book out. And I'd quite like to read it, I think. Um, and he's doing the rounds at the moment. He won't come on here, but I'm going to... Tell him I was at Nebworth, he'll come on. I was at Nebworth when I was 14, dragged along by my parents. I had tickets for that, Nebworth, and I didn't go. And I, I But I told um, Rodrigo Fuentes Karadi the day before that I didn't want to go. He was furious at me, rightly so. And... Um, um, that's that. Here endeth the story. Wow, good story. Thank though. you, mate. Thank we were you. Almost in the same place. Yeah, we were in the same place for live eight, except you were up with the rich people at the front. Well, for some of it, I was at the side um, from the Capitol Tower, and then I was in the the gold bit for the rich people. Yeah, know, backstage watching um, a very well known radio presenter coked off his or her it's a bloke. Nut, right? Absolutely, sim broadcasting, and then coming out and just with these dark sunglasses on. And Ulrika Johnson said, "Are you on drugs?" And he went, "Me on drugs? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. No, don't oh. do the voice." <laughs> was that a good impression? Mm. Oh God, uh, was it? I was, I was trying not it, to do the voice. It was. It was identifying. Anyway, let's let's no more clues. But um, don't do drugs, kids. No, is the message. So yeah. you were doing that and watching yeah. him doing the other, yeah. and I was at the very very back, desperate for a wee. Yeah, well, how our lives have changed. I left early. Gosh, I stayed to watch um, Pink Floyd. I left during Pink Floyd because they were boring. They were a bit boring. But everyone was leaving, so I thought I'll hang on. Um, my sister and... <laughs> I uh, might get to the loo. My sister and her husband were there, and they brought... Oh God, this is how long... It was It was 2005. I know that because I was listening to a bootleg today of Brian Wilson live at Live 8. He was in Germany, and it was met with a very muted response because the entire German 
um, uh, uh, itinerary that day was, was German punk bands, and then Brian Wilson sat in the middle. And it's a brilliant bit. Das ist das. Brian, what was it? Because it wasn't for famine, was it? No, it was Make Poverty History, yeah. that kind of vibe. So Brian it? Wilson's going. By having all the rich people at the front. Brian Wilson's going, it's great to be here, you know, for Africa and famine and all that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, did you see Mariah Carey at Live 8? No, I did not. Well, I did. I was really near the front next to a Spanish woman. No, when we talking Live 8? This is what yeah. We're, yes. And right, I was right near the front. You for... were at the back for Live 8, you just said. Yeah, but for Mariah Carey, I managed to get to the front because everyone were... Okay. <laughs> everyone got annoyed. Well, the woman next to me got very annoyed, this Spanish woman. Mariah Carey came on and she went, No, we want the who! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mariah Carey came strutting on and she was going on about how, we you know, po- poverty's bad. Yeah. And then she introduced her masseuse. Brilliant. <laughs> and a, a woman who just brings her water on for her. I was thinking, well, this this isn't right. My sister was there with um, her, my nephew, Dylan, who was a baby at the time. And um, David Frost, I was there with um, Ivan, her husband, and the baby. And, and David Frost came over and said, oh, what a nice baby. Did you give it to him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he now lives with David Frost's family yeah. and his inherited it's probably millions. better that way. Yeah, it worked out for the best. We don't see that guy anymore. Um, <laughs> but like, oh wait, four 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 nine nine one thousand. Um, but 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 um, yeah, I left before the. Well, the who? The who were after the Floyd, weren't they? I think I saw the who. I seem to remember. Maybe I saw the who. Maybe I left during the who, and I heard live. I heard the the Floyd on the radio. Floyd, we're boring. They were, they were always boring, apart from um, C. Emily Play and um, Arnold. No, Arnold, Arnold Lane. Do, do, do. That one. You know that one? Do you know that one? No. Nope. Arnold Lane. Is that how it's pronounced? Yeah. Ar- Arnold Lane. That's a great song. Psychedelic. All oh, right. Goes like this, goes like this. Goes Arnold Lane. Oh, no. We'll for Garth Brooks. We'll skip that. Arnold Lane. Why would they give you Garth Brooks when you've searched for Here the we Floyd? Go. Even that was rubbish, actually. Makes me think of Brian Pern now. You know, see Emily Play. Do you know that one? See Emily Play is good. Right, hang on a minute. See Emily Play! Here we go. <coughs> Excuse me. Here we go. I don't get it. No, you get this. You get this. Here we go. Here we go. Emily tries but misunderstands. Oh, she's often inclined Wait for the to chorus. Wait for the chorus. Dreams till tomorrow. No, as well, Cockney Barrow Boy with a Bon Tempe. Yeah, uh, and um, a little bit too much of the old pounds, shillings and pence, LSD. Why oh, is it called that? I do know, why is what? Oh, because of that, that's the old-fashioned way of saying pounds, yes. shillings and pence. And I learnt from why it's called LSD, why pounds, shillings and pence. Well, what? Libra is a pound. Yeah. Shilling is... Yeah, why the D? Uh, yeah, there's a reason for it. And I, I read it in blooming... Um, 
what's his face's book? Mark Mason. Yeah, I read it in Mark Mason's book. And do you remember it? No. Oh. Don't remember any of it. Is it Denari's? No. Let's change the subject quick. Suspicious residents feared they were embroiled in a terror plot when what was left outside their homes? Mm. Oh, wait, four, 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 nine, nine, one thousand, by the way. It's mm. a good question, this. What would have to be left outside my home for me to think I might be embroiled in a terror plot? It's not bombs. Is it? <sighs> Did someone leave a um, suitcase? Suitcase? No, mate. A baby? Can't give baby balls. Suspicious residents feared they were embroiled. Imagine being embroiled I'd in love anything. To be embroiled in something. In a terror plot when packets of toilet roll huh? were left outside their homes. Very considerate terrorist. Thought it was being left by the Shiites. Oh! That is not bad, is well, it? Well, it's offensive. Well, of, oh, of course it's offensive. I didn't say it wasn't offensive, I said it wasn't bad. Police were called after the multi-packs of Velvet Comfort... Oh, they're not playing games. That's posh. Apparently that blocks your toilet. You can block your toilet with too much padded yeah. Uh, paper. Yeah, my toilet's got very weak flush, so there's lots of... Uh, anyway. Velvet Comfort appeared at homes in the Harpenden, Hertfordshire. Oh, I know one station that would have been all over that. John Allen said, I'm a bit concerned. Posher. It's Harpenden. I'm a bit concerned, yep. as I do not know why or who left it. Is it safe to use? <laughs> or is it a terrorist plot to infect us? <laughs> infect you? Infect their bungholes <laughs> with poisonous loo paper. That is a very suspicious resident. Claire Mills tweeted... We got left a sample pack on the doorstep a couple oh. of days ago. Hashtag weird. It's a sample pack left on the doorstep, then hashtag not that weird at all, no story whatsoever. No. Hashtag that was just taken from Twitter, wasn't it? Hashtag great phone in, Roberto. <laughs> Officers... What's been left on your doorstep? Call me now. Officers initially advised callers not to use the free loo roll until they had investigated, but soon found, quotes, a legitimate promotion was being run in the area. <laughs> <laughs> if I saw <laughs> lavy paper outside, I'd go and get them all. I'd get up early in the morning and grab them all. Freebies. I still toilet paper from here sometimes. Do you? Oh, sure. Why not? You don't? Oh, yeah, no. It's annoying because it's got a weird centre on it, so you can't put it on the thing, so you just have to balance it on the radiator by the oh. toilet. Ian. Catherine? What has your life come to? Very sad. Late night conversation. Wealth losing sleep over. Ian Lee. On air and off the leash. On Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Thank <laughs> you. 
An effervescing elephant with tiny eyes and great big trunk once whispered to the tiny ear, the ear of one inferior, that by next June he'd die. Oh yeah, because the tiger would roam. The little one said, Oh my goodness, I must stay at home. And every time I hear a growl, I'll know the tiger's on the prowl, and I'll be really safe, you know. The elephant, he told me so. Everyone was nervy, oh yeah, and a message was spread to zebra mongoose and the dirty. Hippopotamus who wallowed in the mud and chewed his spicy hippoplankton food and tended to ignore the word, preferring to survey a herd of stupid water bison. Oh yeah, and all the jungle took fright and ran around for all the day and the night, but all in vain because you see the tiger came and said, "Who me? You know I wouldn't hurt not one of you. I much prefer something to chew, and you're all too scant." Oh yeah, he ate the elephant. That's the only decent song Sid Barrett ever did, and I'm playing that for Luke Haynes, who's listening to the show and is furious with you, Catherine. Why? For you've been rude about Sid Barrett. Well, I don't think calling someone a Cockney Barry boy with a bon temp is rude. <laughs> and uh, I, 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 I'm being—it's a very good harsh. organ. I'm being slightly harsh. Oh, don't don't reduce it to that. What? We're more sophisticated than that. What? Um, I'm not. Luke, I can only apologise for our blaspheming against um, <laughs> our Lord and Saviour, Sid Barrett. Uh, here we go. Um, Carpe Diem says, I love talk radio. I've listened to every podcast of yours, but your taste in music, man, is bullshine. Oh. Hashtag failed DJ. <gasps> hashtag, hash, hashtag. Hashtag talk not music. This is beef, though. Let's go to um, Dave, first of all. Good evening, Dave. Hello, how are you? Hey, Dave! It's oh, so nice to finally speak to you. I've been trying to get through for months. Have we ever spoken before, Dave? No. Well, you greeted but... me like a, not only a long-lost friend, but a former lover. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Chance to be a fine thing. <laughs> oh, I've been... Desperate to get through to you. I've been trying and trying and well, I couldn't get through. Hang on, you've not been trying that hard because we quite often have long stretches of the show where there are no callers. So it's not as if we, you know, the lines have been engaged. Maybe it's phone's oh, no, no, you'd be surprised. It's really difficult, Ian. No, it's not. Oh. Is your phone really high up or something? <laughs> <laughs> Let's not quibble. Let's get down to the dibble. What have you got for us? <laughs> Listen, <laughs> um, has it been a good show so far? I've Absolutely just in. blinding. To be honest, we're just oh, warming up, waiting for you. I'll catch up, I'll have to catch up. Oh, mm. Go on. I've got some questions for you that I've always wanted to ask. Do you mind if I ask you? I'll tell you after I've heard them. <laughs> wanted to ask you I've, I've you know i've been a big fan for a long time i've been trying to get through for months thank so you I'll... dave well you're through now let's let's dive straight uh, into these questions okay uh first one do you think the word wallop has got an h in it <laughs> <laughs> oh man no it hasn't no all right okay um on to the next one then um why is cancer a crab Why is cancer a crab? <laughs> All right, on to the next one. Obviously, that's some shit. Um, do people still use curlers? 
Yes. I mean, you hear about hair straighteners all the time, but when I was a kid, it was curlers. Curlers, curlers, curlers are back in, Dave. I don't know where you've been, but they're back in. Oh, right, OK. Do people, like, get to bed with them in and then wake up in the morning well, and take them out? They're not like the old school curlers, but people, people often go out to nightclubs with curlers in. This is why I've got to call you. This is why, okay. you know, you've got to make your lines more available so I can get through more easily. Yeah, I need they, to know the answers they, to these questions. They couldn't be more available, Dave. All right, on to the next question, then. Um, do piles really exist? Piles? Oh, this is your expertise. Yeah. Do you mean, like, on your bum? Yeah. Yeah, I've had them, yeah. Awful things. I know you've had anal fissures, but well, piles too. Yeah, I've had both of those things, yes. I've had very... Very, um... Bad bum luck. And this is... I've had bad bum luck. And it's not funny, actually, Catherine. <laughs> you're the... You're like the people who ten years ago would have laughed at transgender. <laughs> or, or... What? Or 15 years ago would have laughed at male depression. Or 20 years ago would have um, laughed at impotence. Well, all of those things we talk about now, and it's fine, and it's not... I wouldn't laugh about those, because none of them have got anything to do with your bum. Well, sometimes the impotence does. But mm -hmm. so piles exist then. But it's. I think it's the last great taboo, and men are dying to have the piles. Well, no, they're not dying of piles, but they're dying to have their piles treated because it's quite itchy. Ooh. Men are dying to get the confidence to go into boots and ask for anusol, and because they won't, they'll sit there. Hang on a sec. Let me write that down. Let me write that down. How do you spell that? And. I-N-U-S-O-L, anus. Anus but it's pronounced anusol to save embarrassment. And they... Uh, and you. It's the last great male taboo. you So, like, like three syllables, yeah, anusol. We'll be doing podcasts and radio shows and documentaries about piles one day in the future, and it'll all be go, we'll go... Do you remember when people couldn't talk about piles and, and anal fishes? It'll be me and my onions, the Ian Lee story. Yeah. Is there, is there a direct number? Because I'm having a lot of trouble getting through to yours. Um, Phil, has, uh, Phil has tweeted us, that Dave guy is a complete legend. If he if he was your lover, like you claimed, you would be very lucky indeed. Sounds very sensitive. Yeah. Oh, bless him. Bless him. Um, all right, on to the next question. Oh, then. God, how many of these bloody questions are there? So many. Uh, we've only got four more. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay, have picky eaters just been overindulged? Um, yeah. Okay. I've got a friend that peels chicken nuggets for her kids. Peels them. That's overindulgence. I've got a friend that, um... You ain't uh, got no friends. <laughs> what's your next question, David? Um, what's your favourite prejudice? Oh, that is a good one. I've got, um... Uh, it's a tough one to answer. I've... Oh, I could tell you easily. I... I think it's, um, yeah, the prejudice against people who are lactose intolerant. <laughs> I think that's fun. What's your favourite prejudice? Jeans. Sorry? If you're wearing coral jeans or pink or red jeans, you're no friend of mine. You're not my sort of person. I don't think that's technically a prejudice. I think yeah, you meant like racism or, or disabilism or something. No, like. not necessarily. No. Prejudging on the basis Coolie. of Coolie. their trousers. Okay. My favourite prejudice, don't cut me off, you know, um, is in France they believe that ginger people smell. They really do. I think you've got two more questions. Um, if one can smell burnt toast, is one possibly having a stroke? Yes. one oh, possibly a brain hemorrhage. Um, no, yeah, but, uh, uh, almonds is a stroke. Mm. Almonds oh, is a stroke, right, burnt I'm toast. Done. Let me write that down. Or is it tumour, brain tumour? Oh. Mm. 
almonds. Right, got it. Uh, last one. If you call people by their surnames, are you definitely a tosser? <laughs> Thank you, Dave. <laughs> well, Ian calls me boily, so uh, draw your own conclusions. <laughs> Craig's on the line. Evening, Craig. Evening, Ian. Evening, Kath. Hello, Craig. How's all? All the better. Excellent. Um, I watched that Hell film. Holy Hell. Holy Hell. I didn't have Netflix, so I got Ucky version, which didn't have any nudity in it, so <laughs> I had a PG version. What do you mean it didn't have, it didn't have any... you sure you what? watched the same film? Yeah, well, didn't you say there was some sort of weird gay thing halfway through it or something? Yeah, there's, there was a, about 30 seconds of um, quite hardcore gay pornography. But they blanked yeah, that, everything that, out. That wasn't in my version. OK. What, not even yeah. with the pixelation? No, no, I've saved that. Thanks very much. OK, well, I, I'll, I'll tell you what, me and Ed will recreate it. Kath will film yeah. it on her phone and we'll send it over to you. Bye again. Um, that Adam Curtis has got a new documentary out. Oh, moving on. <laughs> Would you uh, film, film, have that for film ring? No, hang on, who's Adam Curtis? He did the, um, the Bitter Lake documentary. <laughs> They're all like about how mad the world is. And how we just accept it. Uh, I, this, I, this, this documentary goes on for hours, doesn't it? The Bitter Lake one does. Then, I thought the new one did, because I saw someone tweeting, Limmy tweeted today, I've, uh, I've almost finished this the new Adam Curtis documentary, only another five and a half hours to go. Probably. I haven't watched it yet, because I think it only came out like either today or a couple of days. But I've, he's like, you know, his documentaries are amazing. I don't know who he is. I thought, I'm thinking of Richard Curtis. I thought uh, it was in you too. No, this, um, they're very, um, discombobulating, is that? You watch it and you're like, everything's weird. The documentaries are weird, the pictures don't really match what he's saying. Well, that's bad filmmaking. Yeah, but it's not, it's really gripping and really interesting. Um... He, the, the bitter um, lake one was our like our Western money went into the Middle East and bought try, trying to buy all the oil in the seventies. Yeah, I think I'm busy then. Fair enough. It sounds a bit intense. It is. It's really good though. There you get you, know, you to do the voiceover, Craig. Make it all the better. <laughs> oh yeah. come on! Don't insult. We have hardly any callers. You can't <laughs> insult them. <laughs> Ignore her, and I wasn't even sure if it was right. I loved the way you threw it in so casually. Here's the thing, right, and we'll tread carefully. Go on. I don't know what the BBC did wrong when it came to the reportage of Cliff Richard and the police raiding his property. I don't know... What the BBC did wrong. They were told that there was going to be a thing and they went and they covered it. It was that. It was them getting a tip-off. Like well, the, well, then that's the police. police. Also, admittedly, um, we all got a, a message at work, didn't we? Do you remember? Mm-hmm. On the EMPS, the Internal Messaging mm-hmm. Service, saying... Uh, did it mention Cliff's name or did it just say... High-profile. Yeah, high-profile. And we all thought it was going to be Cliff. But I also don't... Because Cliff Richard is going to... He's going to address the Houses of Parliament. He did it today, yeah. I don't think that should be allowed, because, because, because. Cliff Richard, of course... All right. He was never, he, his problem was, he was never even charged. No, so why was no. his name bandied around? No, 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 no. Okay, right. Cliff Richard, of course, is innocent and hasn't done anything wrong. I, I say that as the caveat, and I've cut Craig off just for legal reasons. But, right, um, rumours 
were abound about Jimmy Savile, okay? Rumours, rumours ever. You go online and there were rumours, right? Why did nobody say anything? That was the thing after Jimmy Why did nobody say anything? What? There were rumours. Why did nobody say anything? You're all guilty if you knew the rumours. Right, well, stop the presses. There are rumours about Cliff Richard online. Now, of course, I've got to say this for legal reasons. He ain't done nothing wrong. It, the police have looked into it. There's nothing. He's done nothing wrong. They're just rumours on, online. The malicious rumours that people have put out there. But those rumours are still out there. So, if, if, there, if it's being said that we have to... We should have acted on the rumours about Jimmy Savile. They were rumours. Then surely the same thing has to be said about anybody who has rumours about them online. Well, no... Shouldn't it be more about one? You're once that person's been charged. Then, yes. Surely. Yes. Because you know another person who yeah. who it could be argued was jumped upon by the press, if not by the the uh, police. Yep. And flagged up before he was charged, and yeah. in fact he never got charged. Was Jimmy Tarbuck? Yep. Tarby. Someone else whose reputation okay. was dragged okay. through. But you know. If we are concerned that there is a VIP cover-up, I genuinely believe there is a VIP cover-up in the Houses of Parliament... But the argument is that this could be a distraction, because well, while but, we're looking well, at these people... But hang on, hang on. If there is a VIP cover-up, right, if there are um, uh, former, there are dead and alive and serving members of Parliament that are paedophiles, and I genuinely believe there are, right... Mm-hmm then surely having Cl- Sir Cliff Richard come in and argue for anonymity until people... I don't know what he's arguing with the anonymity is for people who are charged. Until or they're charged. To- right, OK. Then all the VIP paedophile MPs are literally rubbing their hands with glee. This is the best thing that could happen to them. A high-profile case of a person who has been wronged you know, in, in as much... I'd say he's been wronged in as much as it was dragged out for two years. Um, of course, it should have been investigated. I don't think that was wrong at all, but the, the dragging out for two years. But a high-profile case now saying, we have to change the law to protect um, uh, people accused of this. Well, all the VIP nonces in Parliament will be going, oh, yes, this is lovely. Of course Thank they, you, Of Cliff. course they would, but you've got to hope that the, the others will balance it out. I don't think Cliff Richard should have been allowed to address the Houses of Parliament. I don't think he should have been allowed to do it. Mm. You know the reason he's been allowed? Because he's Cliff bloody Richard. Mm. And it's awful what he's been through. It's terrible what he's been through. And I can understand why he would want to do that. But he shouldn't get special privilege to address those people. That's what I think. I've got to surround that in a nice legal ease. No, but you're, you know, it's right, right ah. to question it. Thank you. Across the UK, online and on DAB. Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. Talk Radio. Another hour of this nonsense to go. Kyle's up next. You could be joining us live on Talk Radio. Uh, 0844 499 1000 is the telephone number. You can watch us on Periscope as well. Join the fun as I'm about to block somebody for no reason other than to exercise my huge power over these losers. This is Talk Radio. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk.
It's the Turtles. I'm Chief Kamanawanalea, and we're the Royal Macadamia Nuts there. <laughs> um, sampled by? I don't know. De La Soul. Really? Probably. Oh. I imagine someone's tweeted it, so it must be it must be uh, must be true. I don't remember that particular no! fat beat. But well, it would have been the the drum, the drum, the drum. Um, you of course know the song that um, well the monkeys were sampled by well once by Run DMC. They sampled a song called Mary Mary, but someone also sampled uh, Mr Dubberlina, Mr Bob Dubberlina. Who sampled that? Oh. Mr. Dubberlina, Mr. Bob Dubberlina, Mr. Dubberlina, Mr. Bob Dubberlina, China Clipper calling Alameda. China Clipper calling Alameda. That wasn't, um, you wash your face in my sink, was it? You just made... You no, just... there was a song called You Get Wash Your that. Face in My Sink. Get out of town, lady. You don't know why... Seriously. You, you don't know why you talking about it. I'm serious. Um, 0844-499-1000. Yes, Kyle? Evening, you all right? Yeah, a bit windy tonight because Kath made a crumble. It was delicious. That's true. We're eating what it again. Think? When you say windy, which which end? Upstairs. Let's keep it. Let's keep it clean. It's All a right. family show. Half I, term for I, some people. I did apple, right? Standard. I threw some raspberries in, Kyle. That's insane. Oh. Mm, Here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. You don't get old men growing rhubarb anymore, do you? I'm not. I don't remember the last time I saw a stick of rhubarb. Do you like rhubarb? Oh. Who doesn't like rhubarb? Well, children. That's why I didn't make it. Oh, I always made my tongue all fat. Just think about it. I got a fat tongue. <laughs> I used to love rhubarb, and my granddad Bill grew rhubarb. And you've got to cook it properly, otherwise mm. it's poisonous. Well, or bitter. It's like the um, the fish. In the if you don't prepare the fish in Japan properly, you die from it because it's, it's basically it's poison, and it's I believe it's the same with rhubarb. It's the, the rhubarb is the British equivalent of sushi. Got a little no, bit mine, lost in my train of thought there. Uh, no, uh, no, no. I mean, my nan used to grow rhubarb. Yes, and she always said it was. I thought it was the leaves that were poisonous. That is possibly true. Yeah. But but, but <clears> Carl, why? If you have the opportunity to spread an untruth about an unusual vegetable and perhaps create a little bit of fear, why would you not do that? Well, I don't think my nan was given to doing that. No, but I'm saying we, we're in the position now to yeah. convince the youth of today, it's got lads to say, it's our life, it's our future, so we're living today, so don't blame the youth. Who was that? Back in the room, Ian. Who was that singing? You. Uh, but, but, but who was I um, taking off? I don't know. I was taking off musical youth. Where are they from? Oh. Birmingham. Correct. Five points. Uh, Catherine's in the lead, Kyle, in the pop quiz, pop quiz. Oh, go on. Ask me, ask me, ask me a question. I'll just, ask you, I'll just ask you where Birmingham was, was, which group came from Birmingham, and of course it was musical UB40. youth. Um, the, Past the Duchy. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so we've discovered rhubarb is poisonous. Mm. Hmm. Um, what else have you got for us, Carl? Uh, well, I was ringing about the uh, the gentleman earlier. Well, there's a couple of things, but the gentleman earlier who said about the uh, if you're having a stroke, can you smell toast? Yeah. Well, I had a stroke. I don't. I'm smelling toast. Gosh. Um. Well, and of course, this is very apt as Catherine and I have just started watching Coronation Street, and it would appear that at the end of the Coronation Street episode, spoiler alert, guys, but Ken Barlow did um, stroke acting, didn't he? So it looks like Ken may have had a stroke. So you had a stroke. Did, did, 
Uh, well, I thought it was... Isn't it almonds you're supposed to smell if you have a stroke? Do you not smell anything? Well, I don't, <clears throat> I don't really remember it. I remember watching a Doctor Who DVD, and it was quite dull. Yeah. And uh, some of my friends did say that could have led to the hemorrhage. Yeah. <clears throat> but I don't remember smelling anything. Which, um, which doctor was it? What, you, what, sorry, which doctor? Did you say, which yeah, doctor? doctor who. Do, do, did you go and see a witch doctor? No, no, doctor who. Yeah, which doctor? Oh, sorry, uh, <laughs> it was William Hartnell. Sorry. Oh, well, it would have been boring then, because all of the William Hartnell ones were boring. Um, the, the, all the Patrick Troughton ones have been lost, but I bet they were boring. <gasps> oh. Can I say that? Well, I can, well, just because they don't exist! You can't say that. You can say that. I mean, it, it, he was the best one in the books. I used to read the cartoons and the comics and stuff. He was the best one in the comics. He had a big, tall stovepipe hat, which he never actually seemed to wear on the television programme. But they were they were all quite boring. They got rid of that quite quickly. But the artists, the old material, they, I feel really sad telling you about you this. You are quite now. sad. You are quite sad. Thank, uh, thank you very much. So, hang on a minute. So, so are you saying, and we have to be clear on legal grounds here, Kyle, mm. are you saying... Doctor Who gave you a stroke. <clears throat> because well, this friend... is, I'm, my head is now thinking, this is a this is a multi million dollar legal case. If if we yeah. can just get, if we can prove this, and we've got the proof, we can he blow this wa- whole thing open. He was watching Doctor Who. He had a stroke. That's proof. That's proof positive. It, if proof be need be. Well, it, it was Planet of the Giants, and it was that dull at the time it yeah. was made. They cut it down an episode to go from four to three. Are, are you saying that, that, that someone could have a... Because I always thought you could have a stroke if you got overexcited, <coughs> overstimulated. You're saying if you're under-stimulated, you can have a stroke. Well, like I said, my, my friends did suggest. They were like, what were you doing the night before? And I was like, I was watching Planetly Giant from 1964, and... And they said you'd ask for it. Well, they did. My friends basically did so, sort of say, oh, I'm not surprised if you watch that. <laughs> So. Sympathetic friends. What does? Can I ask you a question, Kyle? This yeah. isn't. This, this will sound flippant, but I mean it genuinely. Mm. What does it feel like having a stroke? Um, it was weird because I didn't know what was uh, going on. It was honestly, it's really weird, and my speech was slurred, and like I was trying. So, so I was trying to ring you. I, I was like looking at the phone. I couldn't work out what the phone was or how to work the phone. Wow. So it was. So it's just all that sort of. And were you were you were on your own when it happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, was it was it painful? Did it hurt? No, no, not at all. Uh, no, I didn't. I was just sort of a bit confused, more than like normally when I talk to you. But yeah. no, I was I was a bit confused, genuinely, and um, couldn't work out what was going on. And then somehow, and I can't remember how. Now it's a bit weird. But somehow I managed to get hold of a friend who strangely had taken the day off work and he was like, I somehow managed to ring him, but I don't know how, and he sort of showed up and said, uh, I don't think you're very well, and managed to lift me into his car and they took me to the local hospital. And then I, I remember the nurses sort of saying, your friend had a stroke. And how long from... Um the point of impact from the doctor um, closing the TARDIS door and, and the stroke occurring mm. to how long from that point to you feeling in inverted commas normal again? Um, or did you, do you not feel that you ever got back to 100% to where you were? No, no, I'm not who I was. 
totally not. Which is weird because like, I can talk now, and like, all my speech, my speech went for a, a few months, and all things like that. And most of that has come back, but it's my memory that I seem to have trouble with. Mm. Uh, and numbers, bizarrely, is a weird thing. I can't do numbers anymore. Funny, isn't it? The brain is um, the brain is a funny old thing. I was really, um, I, I, <laughs> really worrying about dying at the moment. I'm really afraid of dying. Do you know what I mean, Kyle? I'm afraid. I'm actually afraid to die. And I tell you, two things have played in my mind recently. Um, mm. I didn't get to see the boys a lot last week. Three things because because of work and stuff like that. So I didn't really get to see a lot of the boys. And then last night, I found myself watching the um, Crystal Maze with um Stephen merchant yes mm-hmm. i was going to say Stephen murdoch blimey that'd be a different show and on the bumpers and every break right it came and gave the facts about cancer and the stats on cancer have changed quite a lot from when i was a kid when i was a kid it was 25 one in four last night they were going one in two oh my will get cancer and i'm thinking when did that Flipping heck, suddenly it's like 50%. That's a massive change in stats. I don't know when that changed. You remember when it was one in three? I remember when it was one in three, Yeah, I don't remember one in two. Yeah, yeah. So it's one in two, and I'm thinking, truth. And then today, driving in, I was listening to Radio 4. And I don't know if you've heard this, Carl. There's a guy on there, Stephen, um, the guy that does the the media show. I was talking to you about him the other day. Oh. Anyway, can't remember his last name. um, anyway, this guy, basically, he's dying of cancer, right? He's a presenter in Radio 4, he's dying on cancer, and every Monday, they um, he goes on PM with Eddie Mayer, and he talks about his cancer and about his treatment. And Steve Hewlett. Steve Hewlett, thank you. And um, and I've been aware, I don't know, you know, I listen to the media show, I'm kind of aware of this guy, but he goes on and he talks about cancer and how he's dying with cancer. He's, having, he's in stage four and he's having palliative care. And this week, oh... This week he had his boys with him. And they're in their 20s, like 23, 21 and 19, something like that, right? So they're men. But, um... Oh, it, it, Kyle, it broke my heart. It broke my heart because they were sat there with their dad knowing he was going to die. I didn't have a clue when. I don't... I've, I've missed the bit where they've kind of given the prognosis for how long he has, right? But he's dying. And I just thought... Suddenly I started sinking into this panic thinking... I'm going to get cancer. One of my boys is going to get cancer. What happens if one of, something terrible happens to one of my boys when I'm dead and there's no one there to look? Oh, and I just got caught up in this whole whirlwind, you know, this fantasy of disaster and stuff and thinking, bloody hell, ma'am, life sucks sometimes for some people more than others and life is hard sometimes and what have I done to my boys? Bringing them into this world where... You know, the odds are one of them is going to get cancer. It's slightly different because obviously it's, it's genetic. <clears> so <throat> we don't have it particularly in our family. But I just got s- sunk into this whole world of thinking, God, the world is doomed, man. So you went that way rather than thinking, right, I better get busy living. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Of course I did. You know me, Catherine. You're still You me. know me. Mm. I, I think it's bizarre because, uh, and you, you'll probably get this reference here, and so... Because they always say as well, yeah. because some people are sort of, you know, like you've got to make the most of everything now, every day counts. And I'll be honest with you, I haven't really done that to no. that extent. No. However, it's always at the back of my mind that in my mind, I'm on my second chance now. So I don't feel like, you know, like Captain Scarlet, 
so I don't think that I'm totally indestructible. But I think, well, you know, technically, if everything had gone the way it should have done, I probably wouldn't be here now. But it did happen for a reason. Dennis, Even I'm not spiritual. Does that make sense? Yeah, Dennis is phoning in to tell us all to cheer up. I can see. <laughs> we we all do that thing whenever we lose someone close to us, right? We always think, right? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna make every second count, and I am gonna from today onwards in their memory. I swear to God, I'm gonna be the best person I can, and I am gonna live every single moment as though it were my last. And that Give lasts, it a month. Yeah, that lasts about three or four weeks, and then it's back to, you oh, know... Oh, God, not Monday again. Yeah, <laughs> to get out of rowing with your wife and sticking your fingers up at someone in the, who's cut you up and, and being stroppy with the kid. Is that, you know, that's all of that. To, hang on a minute, Carl. Stay there, Carl. De- okay. De- Dennis, you're going to cheer us up, is it? I was going to try to cheer you, but I thought, blimey, you're not, you're not dead yet, for God's Listen... You die from the moment you're born, so stop worrying. And that's supposed to cheer me up how? <laughs> but you've been dying a long time and nothing's happened. <laughs> well, that's true. Dennis, you you're, you're potentially, what, you're 92? No, I'm 91. I'm, look, I've got a, a limited amount of time left. Exactly. You're potentially closer to it than us. Ah, well, I hope so. Well. For sake. <laughs> <laughs> You'll probably outlive all of us, Dennis. That's the, that's the same. No, 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 no. Life is a lovely place. It's a lovely place. Stay as long as you can. Thank you, Dennis. Goodbye. Hey, ta-ta. Yes, Carl? Oh, oh no, I was going to say, do you know what? I'm so sad because at the old place, yeah. me and Dennis were never on together. Oh, well, I've just cut him off. <laughs> and I'm cutting you off. Thank you, Carl. I wait for John, come to you after this. Unmissable late night radio with the original king of unconventional conversation. Make contact with Ian Lee. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. Because you're still a baby to me. Cribs and cradles and bottles of toys. But chores that bring. I want to wash your face. And change your clothes and button your shoes <coughs> Walk you around and wrestle with you Then I'm gonna make you sing In the morning I can wake you up Feed you breakfast from a little cup I wanna pick you up Roll you back and forth and make you smile I wanna hold you I want to tickle your feet, drop you in your little tongue, wash your body and shampoo your hair, be careful not to sting your eyes, when it's night I'll put you in your bed, and I'll bend you and kiss your hair, I want to pick you up. Rock you back and forth and make you smile I want to hold you closer a while Pat, 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 pat her on her butt But she's going to sleep, be quiet Pat, 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 pat her on her butt She's going to sleep, little baby, go to sleep. <laughs> There's a bit more. Bit more. Pat, pat, 
pat, hat, patter on the butt. Just incredible. That's the Antichrist Choir, also known as um, a dungeon choir. Um, that's now gone up. Last week when I found that, it only had seven views on YouTube. It's now gone up to a staggering 38 views on YouTube. I've heard that song a couple of times now, and I would not let him babysit. Mm-hmm. Um, Going to get him on the show. He's not replied to the message I sent him. That's fine. Okay. I found his um, Facebook page. So I will be stalking him on Facebook. Until he submits. Also, there's a guy I want to talk to who was on um, Radio 4 today. And I can't remember his name. I've got it on my phone. He's a UFO expert. He's on PM, right? And he was talking about this guy who died, right? Mm. And his claim was, well, he was first of all, he was claiming that um, this guy had been killed by the government because he knew too much. And then he said to Eddie Mayer, well, technically, he's neither dead nor alive. And Eddie Mayer said, what does that mean? And he said, well, he's one step beyond death. I know exactly. This is on Radio 4. Basically, he's like he's like a he's like um, the undead. He's, he's he's like working from beyond the grave. I think he was talking about him becoming a super, like a super soldier or something. I don't know. I, I, he didn't say the phrase super soldier, but then I googled this guy's name and stuff about super soldiers came up. So I'm I'm trying to track him down yeah. and um, get him to come on the show. I mean, this is on Radio Four, so this is highbrow. So I want to get him to come on and talk about this guy that has been murdered, in his opinion, by the government. Um, and is what this the guy in means. Poland that's in the papers today? Um, what guy in Poland? Oh, well, is it, there's this thing about conspiracy theorists who'd um, text his mum the day before saying, yeah. if anything happens to me, then yeah, yeah. investigate. This fella, this fella yeah. He's, well, she he, reckons he was, he was done in by Satanists. Because um, he knew too much. Well, okay. Well, it's not what, that's not this other guy who's... Not, and then, like, we don't know any of their names. But yeah, it's about him. Yeah. About that fella. Okay. Yeah. It's a it's a fishy old business though. Yeah, has happened. Well, Satanists, the government, no, because he was talking. Ah, he discovered that there were devil worshippers in Parliament, mm. and they're the same people that are inviting Cliff Richard in to to talk about in our laws. Parliament or in theirs. What was he in Poland? Ours, ours, ours. Oh, I don't know. I wasn't really listening properly, if I'm honest. But I, I, I'm going to find this guy and, and see if I can get him on the show because it's the kind of stuff I think we should be spearheading a campaign. Um, against. John's on the line. Good evening, John. Good evening. Good evening, John. What have you got for us, boss? Um, well, first of all, are we hip-hip-hipping? I'm always open to a hip-hip-hip, of course. A hip-hip-hip? What kind of cake? Um, I actually made lemon drizzle this week. Hey! Lemon drizzle, so the currency that uh, feeds the meter that drives this show. <laughs> <laughs> um... So I was I was drifting off to sleep listening to your podcast from Friday. Okay. And you mentioned Mary Rose Sauce. Yes, you did. What you did you blew that whole thing wide open, what? telling us that prawn cocktail and sauce is actually was... just mayonnaise and ketchup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was near asleep. Yeah. I used to work in the hotel trade for about 10 years, and you brought me out of my, my near slumber because I nearly lost my job over Mary Rose Sauce a couple of years ago. Well, hang on, what are you calling it? 
Mary Rose. Mary Rose. Mary Rose. Mary Rose. Mary Rose. Well, you're co- it's got a name. Yeah. It's not just like prawn cocktail sauce. Yeah. Ma- okay, Mary Rose. So, tell me why you nearly lost your job about Mary um, Rose sauce. Well, a lady decided that she knew better and, and said that we needed to make a fresh batch because it didn't taste quite right. Yeah. So we, we made a, a fresh batch off with everything that goes in it. Well, ketchup, more than just the aforementioned. Well, more than that. Well, what else goes in it? Salt. Pepper, cayenne pepper, paprika, creme fraiche, oh, lemon juice. Come on. Well, this is if you're in a fancy place. It, it was relatively. If you're doing it in the 1970s, it would have been ketchup and mayonnaise. Oh, I'm only 28. There you go. You see, only 28. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Go on. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she uh, she then demanded to see me um, as I was, I was in charge of establishment because she said the batch that we sent out wasn't appropriate. And... Uh, I went out and actually saw her, and she goes, you don't know what you're doing, and she said, so I said, invited her into my kitchen, Yeah. Oh. Uh, gave her the requisite ingredients, and she went just to the back of the larder, got ketchup and mayonnaise, <gasps> squirted them in a bowl, and said, that's how you do it, son. What a philistine. Do. John, you see, she knows. She's taught you a le- She has taught you, you can go to the fanciest colleges and study all the... <laughs> All the fancy food stuff, the recipes and the books and all the, the Jean-Michel Char and all of that stuff, Jean-Michel Char. Right? But, <laughs> but she got down to the nitty-gritty, John. You can, what do you think you are? Heston Blumenthal making a, a, a pie out of a, a packet of silk cut and some leaves? It's nonsense. Ketchup, mayonnaise, bishy-bashy-boshy. <laughs> Cocktail glass. Cocktail glass. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! You, uh, you invited her into the kitchen. That was a bold. Um, was it? Was it tense? Um, well, yeah. I've you know I'm fairly confident. I'm a lot younger than her. Cops and her argument was I was too young to know what I was doing. Yeah. Um, running my own kitchen for four years at this point. Um, and yeah, so like I said, come in. We think you can do better. And she thought she did. So I, the reason I nearly lost my job was that I encouraged her to leave, and she didn't need to come back. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> you're a proper chef, aren't you? Oh, I'm, I'm a diva. <laughs> What's, um, right, John, okay, this is the thing, right? So, you get a phone call from me, and I'm saying, all right, John, um, me and Kath, we're five minutes away, um, g- g- and we're a little bit peckish, right? This is your house we're talking about, right? I'm five minutes away from you. A little bit peckish, John. Um, we'll see you in five minutes. What, what could you rustle up with the ingredients in your house in five minutes? If I had to go downstairs right now, yeah, uh, rabbit, Sorry. rabbit, or rabbit. Well, cheese on cheese toast. Cheese on toast, yeah. Cheese oh, cheese on toast, but nice one with a nice mustard, or yeah. something like a croque, proper croque madame, or croque monsieur with yeah. the egg, with the ham, with the bechamel. Whereabouts do you live, John? Uh, Maidenhead. You got five minutes. Hey, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm about five minutes away from you, so I'll I'll, I'll be in on the way home. You'd be most welcome. Thank you, John. Thank you, man. What a nice man. There you go. You see, we have we have skilled artists listening to this. this we did give him your tip about uh, accompaniments to soup, which I discovered today. Cheese sandwich. I've never had that before. We had some soup today. For me, the finest meal in the world is a tin of tomato soup and a cheese sandwich. A lot of butter in there, a lot of che- thick cheese. You dip it in there, the cheese goes a bit plasticky. Delicious. And then you end up looking like this. <laughs> 
<laughs> you two can have a body like this. Yeah. Oh eight four 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 nine nine one thousand. This is Talk Radio. Late night, Ian Lee. Unfiltered night talk with the original king of unconventional conversation on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. We were listening to, um, it turns out independently, yeah. to Howard Hughes last night. He was talking about killer clowns. Well, that there was a woman on there yeah. who had a very softly spoken voice. The last hour, yeah. I fell asleep and listening to her. I did as well, in between yelling obscenities every now and again. Um, she was talking about tiny people in the woods. I'm, I oh, was asleep. Yeah, I know then. what they were talking about: Rendlesham Forest and what might be going on there. The the site of the uh, biggest UFO sighting in yeah. recent history, or something. Okay, okay. The thing I heard right. And how do you explain this? Right. She was saying that a man. Oh yeah. Went fishing or something, right? And he he disappeared. Mm-hmm. He disappeared. Four years later. They found his body... Pristine. ...with a hole in the head, Mm -hmm. pristine condition. Right. So then the brother-in-law has to go and pick up the guy's car. So the guy parks... The brother-in-law parks in a motel on the way back, goes to sleep, wakes up, the car's been broken into, lots of documents. um, I can't remember about, like, the government and stuff... They left in the car. Have been stolen. Right. This this guy was a researcher. Right. right. Why would you leave them in the car? Well, he was dead. All right, fair enough. Carry on. So then the brother-in-law then drove the car back to the guy's mother. That night, the car was broken into again, and all of the other documents, everything, everything was stripped from it. Right. How do you explain? How do you explain that? Um... You can't. Oh eight four 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 nine nine one thousand is the telephone number. It was a good listen. I just remember the bit about tiny monks in the in the woods. You would do. Bieber bid fever. Hmm? Bid J- Justin Bieber. Is that a sentence? Bieber bid fever. Bieber Bieber bid fever. What? It's a headline. Go on. I like all pop sensations i get them i just tweeted um matt haig to say that one of my favorite um in, in quotes embarrassing um, pop songs i like is um uh when you Jake, come back to me Jake by Jason donovan. donovan i love that there's a pain in my heart and when you come back to me oh how the fire will burn walk through the year through the london town but there's a chill in my heart even though we're apart because i know yes i know it's, it's just, just a matter, matter of time. time i'm missing your love until you, you come, come back, back to me i'm counting the hours until you return there's a pain in my heart Come back to me, oh, how the fire will burn. Ding, 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 Anyway. I like, last night you talked about leaving. I said I can't let you go. It's not just emotional feeling. I need your body and soul. You give me one good reason to leave me. I'll give you ten good reasons to stay. It's the only only one I believe in. I'll be hurt, I'll be hurt if you want that okay. Anyway, that's a good one. Um why so did I, he not win the war against Kylie? No, no, I had a big argument with school about it, saying, well, you watch, you watch, in ten years' time, Donovan will still be here, Kylie, who? 
Boy, did I, I get that wrong. Same with um, backing Betamax instead of uh, VHS. But I, I like all the pop sensations. I've always liked all the pops. I'm a pop man. I'm, I'm, I like my white pop. And I'm not ashamed to say it, right? You couldn't get whiter than Donovan. No, exactly. Um, and I like and I like all the naughty ones. You know, I didn't I didn't really like Eminem, but I saw the appeal of Eminem. I didn't like Marilyn Manson, but I saw the appeal of Marilyn Manson. I thought the world was a better place for having someone like Marilyn Manson. Prince. Um, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm talking. I mean, Prince was funky. I'm talking kind of pop. All right. right? And Eminem. Oh, and, Marilyn Manson. I don't know why you threw him in there. It was. It, oh, it was. Oh, it was pantomime. What are you talking about? Was it? Oh, it's the same as Kiss. So it was. No, 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 no. Marilyn Manson was. Marilyn Manson was. Was was pure. It was just like Kiss. It's pantomime, makeup, and all that stuff. But the one I don't get, and 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 Miley Cyrus and all that, I get all that. What do you think of One Direction? Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. The one I don't get, and I've been reading a lot of. He's played here recently, and I've been reading as many reviews as I can find about this young man, Justin Bieber. I don't think he's hilarious. Bieber fever. I don't think he's good looking. Mm. I don't think he's cute. I don't think he's sexy. He's, he's, I don't he's, think he's he's. I, I mean, I've, I don't. I don't listen to the music. The he's music. deliciously ungrateful, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, the bad boy image doesn't really wash with me because it's just, it does, it just seems mean spirited mm. and, and self destructive as opposed to something da- you know thrillingly dangerous and thrilling. Oh God, I can't believe Justin Bieber's done that. He's so naughty. I love it. I don't, I don't get it. He's and kind I, of a Ruka Salt, isn't he? Yeah, and all of the reviews. Uh, uh, is this is this the the done thing in concerts now? He mimes during a lot of the concert. Wow. When I saw Dolly Parton about eight, eight years ago, ten years ago, she mimed a couple of songs. Um, but apparently Bieber mimes quite a lot. I wonder if that's is it because the... he dances. Sometimes if they dance a lot, he, they... well, he's incorporated dancing into this tour half-heartedly. He's never danced before, and he's he he kind of does some simplistic moves while the backup dancers, he calls the front-up dancers. I've really read all the reviews. Um, do much more extravagant versions of what he's doing. Britney's a bit like that these days, isn't she? She has someone to help her up and down the stairs. Oh, I won't have a word said against but I love Britney. Her. Oh, she's absolutely brilliant. But absolutely the, brilliant. The dancing has slowed down somewhat. But um, but 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 Bieber, I, I I don't get it. And it really it seems like um in an age when concerts are getting longer and and, and stars seem to be giving more and more to their fans, his concerts ninety minutes long, um. It's very. I think he's a lacklustre pop star. He also, lo- you know, people throw toys and things up on the yeah. stage. He lobs them back and says he doesn't want their crap. He's a very lacklustre pop star. <laughs> he doesn't seem to be having a very good time most of the time. Oh eight four 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 nine nine one thousand. If you're listening, Justin. Anyway, back to Bieber bid fever. Go on. Um, so Justin Bieber, right? Auction, eBay, charity. Mm-hmm. It's a glass that Justin Bieber drank milk from. In the King's Oak pub in Epping Forest, Essex. You drank milk in a pub. Guess as of last night, I'm gonna go on last night. Guess how much it's going for. Uh, well, this could go two ways. Yeah. Either a lot or no one's bothered. Yeah. I reckon a lot. Flipping it. Right. All right. Eighteen thousand dollars. It's it's in English money. Eighteen thousand pounds. Yeah, it's here. I can see it. I've got the auction. The auction is live. There are three days, twelve hours to go. Sixty-five thousand pounds. Sixty-five thousand nine hundred pounds. 
with three days, 12 hours to go. That's that's a thousand want, pounds more than it, what it says in the paper. I'd want like his like stem cells for that. <laughs> I am tempted to bid 70,000. Don't because you'll win. This is this is the thing with my, with eBay. Is I always see like late late at night. Don't let me go on eBay late at night. Right. I'm glad I don't drink anymore. eBay wasn't really around when I used to drink. Blimey. I mean, I buy enough crap as it is. But late at night you go, "Ooh." I've had to delete the app off my phone because I'd be in bed, you know, not be able to sleep at three in the morning. I go, ooh, yeah, that's single for uh, $700. I wonder if I put in, <laughs> if I put in 710, I bet someone's already been more than that. And I, So you put in 710 and then it goes up to 715. I bet if I put in 725, someone will have bid more. I put in 75, it goes up to 730. If I put, I put 735 and it stopped, I thought, oh, sh-. and you can retract a bid. You can retract bids if there's more than 12 hours to go. So I bought a single for $735. Ah! A single. $735. Just because you were wondering what would happen. It's taking a punt. It's taking a punt. Well, stop poking the bear. Oh eight four 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 nine nine one thousand. This is Talk Radio. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. You're not bidding, are you? No. No. Oh, well, I'm looking at stuff. Yeah, I'm looking at stuff. Oh eight four 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 nine nine one thousand. Um Pablo's on the line. Good evening, Pablo. Hip hip hip. What kind of cake? Um pineapple upside down. Can I just say, guys, we're here to serve, and I don't think we've said that enough this evening. Lots of people on Periscope. Hundred and forty five people watching us on Periscope, which is a lot for this time of night. We are here to serve you guys. We 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 are your servants. And this show is for you. As, as, a, as a, an insane psychopath once said to me in an email, Ian, you're here to serve. Yeah. And I am here to serve. And we wouldn't want you to think in any way that we were ungrateful. Nope. For the support that we are given so selflessly by every single one of you. Well, most of you. Thank you. Pablo, what you got for us, boss? I'm glad I didn't say urinal uh, with the answer to what kind of cake. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, oh, no, yeah, just to say, yeah, I made mention of um, an upcoming child in uh, my uh, horizons, and that, that arrived on Wednesday, young Ben. What, was uh, he coming to visit? What, what, who, who? No, 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 he was born by oh. the Caesarean section. Hey, the classic. The second most popular way for a child to enter this world, number one, of course, being stalks. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so... Um, Congratulations! Thank you very much. Everyone well and healthy and good? Yes, all good. Um, the last one was... Uh, last time, well, it was like three days' worth of labour, then the emergency section, and yeah. it was only only during the, the preparation for this birth that we actually found out how quite close it was to do horrible things uh, with the first birth. So having the planned section, it's night and day it's just been uh, a joy and i'd just like to say all the people at Crom- uh, crompton general hospital uh, they're listening top banana they're listening to us now and they're going they sat around there and um, they're going yeah yeah we did that high, high five in each other um filling up another glass maybe even rolling a fat one i don't know i don't know i'm hoping 
I'm hoping there's some big tens going about as well. Yes. Oh, congratulations, Pablo. It's, it's always a delight. When It's weird, isn't it, when suddenly there's a new person in the room. Well, that's it. I've got two of them now, so it's, you know... Well, if you've got I'll two boys or, or one of each? One of each, so I can stop. <laughs> that's your that's your work done for the gene pool world. You're welcome. Well, that's it. And <laughs> I, as I've been told, people keep saying, oh, "You want another one? You want another one?" And I was like, "If if there's any chance of that, I think I'll be booking myself in for my own surgical procedure just to guarantee that <laughs> that doesn't happen." Right. I think you know when you're done, don't you? Oh, definitely, definitely. And luckily, well, not luckily because it was a it was a pain for the for Mrs. Pablo, but um, it, this pregnancy was quite uh, quite difficult for a lot of. Uh, she, Basically, uh, I forget what it was called now, but she had this condition which basically meant that she was carrying like she was nine months pregnant for basically six months of the pregnancy. It was very heavy and she couldn't get about and all that. But the added bonus of that is she's not going to want to get pregnant again in a hurry. So uh, (laughs) win-win. It's all done. Don't tell her that yet. Oh, no, she knows that. We we discussed this. I just wouldn't use the words win-win yet. Oh, no, 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 that's it, that's it. Maybe a bit soon. Nice one, Pablo. Congratulations. Life, isn't it, you see? Mm-hmm. Oh, life. Thank you, Pablo. Oh eight four 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 nine nine one thousand. Who killed my garden? Oh. Vandal. The vandals took all of the handles. Vandal pours weed killer <gasps> over 79-year-old's prize-winning blooms. Now, oh, that's it, me. Well, you know it's going to be another old man. It's either a bit of skirt, or an old woman. bit of skirt that he's um, a what? Bit of skirt, a little bit of flange. Whoa! Whoa! He has. That's on the offensive list of words. Flange is an effect the Beatles used on the, in the recording studio in the nineteen sixties. So what you said, the Beatles are offensive. Well, we all know they were. Um, it's either a, a, another old man he's upset who's jealous of the garden. I think it's a sneaky womanly thing. To or do it's that. a sneaky womanly thing. Um, so it's definitely a man or a woman. Definitely. After years lovingly tending his garden, Ray Winsley's flower beds were enough to stop passers-by in their tracks. And there's a picture of it, and it's beautiful. The 79-year-old was used to walkers taking photos of the display, and his efforts were rewarded this year, here we go, with a Britain in Bloom prize. Now, the the thing about competitive gardening is... uh, People do take it very, very seriously, and they get very jealous. You've got this from Midsummer Murders, haven't you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right, okay. But it seems not everyone was delighted with his green-fingered success. Just weeks after being named winner of the containers category for Bath in Bloom this summer, the retired builder found someone had poured weed killer over his plants. And there's a picture before, and there's a picture afterwards. It's bad, isn't it? Oh, that's tight. Uh, have, a look, that's... have a look at that periscope. There's your before, there's your after. That is tight, isn't it? It's really that tight. Is, that is very, very tight. His lawn, flower beds, and hanging baskets. I never got hanging baskets. Hanging baskets are things that my mum always buys for me and I always kill. I don't really like them. They remind me of pubs and railway stations. I tell you what, I like them outside of uh, yeah i like them outside of pubs when they've just been watered yeah. and you walk past and water is dripping off off them i like that effect i don't like them outside my front door because i know i'm going to kill it oh i'll tell you what we watched this weekend maleficent oh yeah it's good isn't it yeah it's all right those are some cheekbones they've um, that's got to be computer effects isn't it it's uh prosthetics is is it mm. is it mm. oh he's a right little not our ears either no, I got that. He's a swine. He's a right little SH1T, isn't he? Yeah. What's his name? Stefan. Stefan. Stefan, you little sneaky little... Sh- 
I don't really, blame her. No, quite frankly, she should have taken the whole chopped, town out. He he chopped her bloody. First of all, he led her on, and then he chopped her bloody wings off. Just Absolute a winker. What a swine. Anyway, back to Ray Winsley. His lawn, flower beds and hanging baskets have been ruined and over £1,000 worth of plants destroyed. Someone's thought about this. The saboteur even put weed killer in his butt. Gosh. Forcing him to empty it completely. How did he know, though? How did he know? How would you know? You would know if someone was putting poison in your butt. You would know. You it's would colourless and odourless, surely. I suppose if you were asleep, anything could be inserted in a butt, couldn't it? Well, it's a cheap trick. Why would someone do this? Said Mister Winsley from the small village of Bishop Sutton in Somerset. I've taken care of a garden all my life, and I've been oh. doing this one the past five years since I moved here. Ah, so he's a newcomer to the area. Coming in here, making it look nice. Oh. God, it is heart- genuinely heartbreaking. People yeah. used to take photographs as they came past. It looked so pretty. My wife, Sylvia, used to love seeing the flowers out the front. It breaks my heart to see it like this. Neighbours have rallied around Mr Winsley, bringing him cars and chocolates. One woman said, I think it's disgusting that people are contributing, who are contributing to our area are being attacked. Avon and Somerset Police... Um, I've asked anyone with Oh, that is mean. That is mean, isn't it? That's, that's, uh, Someone nicked my grand's hanging baskets once. Is that a euphemism? No, or? no, they okay. did. And do you know how. She, oh, it's really sad. Imagine this. This is how she discovered them, they were missing. No. She went out to water them. She got a little stepladder out, put it up, went up to water it, and the water just hit the floor, and she realised that she was watering something that was no longer there. <sighs> sad. 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 People, there are some. I mean, there are some miserable um, souls in the world that would would that, that see people having a little bit of pleasure, and um, decide to ruin it yeah. for them. You know, poor old boys. Garden is everything. The Grinch. The Grinch got him. Isn't that miserable? Hey, speaking of being miserable, where's my mail? Here it is, page fifteen. We're in big trouble, guys. Oh no, not again. Um, have I still got the clip of Anna Rayburn saying flange? I don't think I do. Um, I don't. Let me have a little look in my iTunes. I don't think I have. No, I haven't. Sorry, guys. Just flange. imagine it. Flange. Sorry, flange. I've got her saying. Um, what is it? She says. I'm not saying it. Coxmudger. <laughs> I've I've got um. Uh, got this. Oh, no, I haven't got... Um, cancel that. Oh, Is this going to work? There we go. I've got, got this. This should work. Oh, no, I haven't. Yeah. Um, oh, just play it. Um, we're talking about these things, and I love this one. Um, and I can't help you with this one, Mook. He sent in a word which is coxmudger. Please would you check the origin... My grandfather's say it goes back to old sailors carrying a small Bible with them, and when annoyed, they would, t- uh, with God, they yeah. would peel back the page and rub the tip of the penis against the holy words, smudging the words with the cock. I'd- there we go. You see, that's real. Why would she say she loved this one? <laughs> Flying in from Europe. Mm. Now you know I've got beef with moths. I've got yes, moth beef. Major beef. 
flying in from Europe, the the rare moths as big as bats. Swarms. This is just disgusting. And this is why the world is such a horrible, horrible place. Is this because of the Brexit? Probably. But then you would say that because you're just a... Was it Bramona? Bramona. Hey, Bramona. (laughs) Swarms of bat-sized moths are flocking to Britain from Europe. Oh, this is this is hideous. Unfortunately, there's no pictures to prove these things actually exist. But be afraid. A warm oh, shiver down my back. I think of that. A warm summer has led to a spate of sightings of death's head hawk moths <gasps> in the south of England. Some God, they're they're bigger than bats. Some reportedly the size of a newborn kitten. So it's a moth that you could punch. What? Why would you leap to punching? Well, it's that? big because it's flying towards you. Oh right, I thought you been punching kittens again. No, not for not again. Good. The rare moths. You want to get your nose sorted out? That was a really noisy intake of breath you did through your nose there. We could hear it. Yeah. That. Yeah. It wasn't me. It's you breathing. No, I'm not breathing. I've not. I've not. I've not breathed on air since um, 1989. The rare moth is a skill I learnt from the Shaolin monk. The rare moths are traditionally seen as omens of death, with their name coming from skull-like markings. They emit a piercing squeak if punched. Normally found in... Did you you add that bit? It says normally they emit a piercing squeak if disturbed, and boy, oh boy, my punch would certainly disturb them. Normally found... Have you ever heard a moth scream? No. This is absolutely true, right? Once I was in bed in my flat, right? Um, and I heard this... <coughs> screaming noise. I thought, what the bloody hell is that? And I was in bed, I was on my own, I was terrified. <coughs> screaming, I thought, what the flipping hell is that? And I went out, I turned the light on, and I was terrified, right? It was a moth. A, the cat had. The cat liked to trap moths, right? And she trapped a moth under her paw on the stairs. And it was the moth that was making this scream. No. Yeah, I swear to God. With what? It's proboscis. They it's, haven't even got proper mouths, have they? I don't know. How do they eat? With that, with the blow tickler. You think the dogs and their lipsticks. Listen, <laughs> to, we'll start the show tomorrow talking about screaming, screaming moths. moths. I swear to God. I swear to God. This is an actual phenomenon. I know da, frogs da, scream. Isn't it? Frogs scream as well, yeah. Um, dear listener, it's been such a thrill for you <laughs> to, to listen to this rubbish. We serve you. We're back tonight at 10. Thank you, Ed. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you to Will Allen. Dear listener, up yours. Talk radio. Listen. Phone. Talk. Talk radio. We'll get you talking. 